Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. It's always that one time you need a defense attorney and you just don't know who to call, right? Well, I'm telling you, Manny Aurora, the Aurora Law Firm, he's the best in the business when it comes to a defense attorney. And he's a former prosecutor, so he knows the other side of the courtroom. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, but practices nationwide, has handled litigation in over 19 different states. If you need Manny, theauroralawfirm.com, theauroralawfirm.com. He stops by the show twice a month. Got any questions? Leave it on our hotline, 404-369-3825, or on our social media off podcastthebs.com. How would you like your monthly mortgage payment taken care of for all of 2023? Well, after Stockton Mortgage's Dave Flashner's tip of the day, you'll find out. When getting a mortgage, make sure you pick the right team. I've had numerous people come to me after online lenders don't do what they promise. When you close your home loan purchase or refinance with Stockton Mortgage, you'll be automatically entered into a mortgage-free sweepstakes. One prize winner will be chosen to have Stockton Mortgage cover their monthly mortgage payment up to $2,500 per month in 2023. A home loan or refinance might be one of the most important transactions you'll ever make in your life. Go with someone that's reliable, knowledgeable, trustworthy, and always on call. Dave Flashner, Stockton Mortgage, 561-951-0984. That's 561-951-0984. Stockton.com slash Dave dash Flashner. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs an ear, and that's why Dr. David Markwell and Ridgeline Counseling are the best at what they do. Ten different therapists who work with Dr. David Markwell at Ridgeline Counseling. If you're in the Georgia area, East Cobb, Marietta, near the square in McKaysville, right outside of Blue Ridge. And they assist with a wide variety of behavioral health issues like anxiety, depression, relationship issues, parenting issues, trauma, substance use issues, etc. Offering virtual sessions. If you can't get to the Georgia stops, the website, markwelltherapy.com. Again, markwelltherapy.com. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. <laughs> Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. All right, there it is, episode 73 of the BS. Thanks for being here. My name's Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissor Studio, sponsored by Stockton Mortgage. Thanks, Dave. The Flash Flashner at 561-951-0984 or stockton.com slash Dave dash Flashner. Don't forget, when you close your home loan purchase or refinance with Stockton, you'll automatically be entered into a mortgage-free sweepstakes, which means that Stockton Mortgage might cover your monthly mortgage payment up to twenty five hundred bucks per month, twenty five hundred, two thousand five hundred per month, twenty twenty three. Nader Vader Taters in Mexico, hola, hola, buenos dias. How you doing? Good. Feeling very patriotic on this Fourth of July. Living in Mexico, I'm sure. Yep, I'm going to a chicken and waffles party. <laughs> uh, there's Brandon Thrasher and the Zelensky Studios in Noonan. How are you, Brandon? 
Doing good. Just put my chair into rocking mode. Yeah, there you go. Look at you just rocking away. And Jill, our social media correspondent, joining us from her family vacation in Panama City Beach, Florida. Hello, Jill. Ooh, happy to be here. What's yeah, up, guys? Yeah, as, uh, at the beginning of this whole thing, uh, her sister was nude in the bed behind her, and I guess she rolled out and uh, has now she got out of there, <laughs> sought cover, and um, is wearing clothes now. So that's very, very maybe very, very, she she like one of those girls that just Brandy's one of those girls that just walks around naked all the time. She said, remember she told us that name? She was like, I hate wearing clothes. I just walk around naked all the time. I'm like, good for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think she, she always talked about she didn't really have to wear a bra or anything. So, I mean, why the fuck not? I wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. She's got chest like a boy. So she's like, nothing bounces, nothing bothers her. Uh, guys aren't like that. Guys aren't naked walkers. Women are naked walkers, right? Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. Well, yeah, well we don't want to see that. Y'all cover up. <laughs> Well, I agree. I wouldn't want to see me either. <laughs> I, th- I think it's more just the uh, anatomy. I mean, when we walk around, things are dangling and hangling and getting stuck in between legs and thighs and get caught on, you know, couch cushions and stuff. So it doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> it's caught on a couch cushion. Hey, can somebody help me out? What happened? I got caught on a couch cushion. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth uh, of July. So, Brandon, uh, I'm not the big fireworks guy. Nate, I'm assuming in Mexico they don't shoot off fireworks for the Fourth of July. Uh, Jill, I'm sure something on the beach in Panama City Beach, uh, Florida, will be huge for Fourth of July. Brandon strikes me as every year you and Def August get together and blow up cars and sheds and barns and garages and carcasses deer carcasses you guys are those dudes right yeah we usually like to spend our day at the lake and then go hop around a few parties and shoot some fireworks and tannerite tannerite's always fun to shoot yeah tannerite that's what i was trying to think of tannerite that's that's a, who's that woman that we spoke to on the radio show the mother that used the tannerite to what is she blowing up her kid's mattress or something Crazy yeah southern mama. mama southern yeah, mama brandon brandon knows her it's like yeah she tried to send us to jail multiple times she what she tried to send us to jail before you? Yeah, me what? and my crew. I thought we were friends with her. <laughs> now she is crazy. Yeah. Was well, she still around? Yeah, she's sick right now, though. Oh. Is it like, is she your neighbor or something? How do you know so much about Southern Mama? Uh, I went to school with her son, and then uh, they were all on scouts with us and church and everything. They used to be cool. Then they kind of went crazy, and they went went downhill. Oh, really? Do you see them out, yeah. on, the, on, out on the streets? Uh, I see her daughter. She works at a gas station that I frequently visit. Oh, okay. So she they're, they're Noonan people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, did not know that. And she became famous a few years ago because it was the mattress, right? She blew up the mattress with the Tannerite. Before that, it was the uh, it was the cell phone. She shot him a few times. And the cell then phone, she right. Had part two with the mattresses, yeah. Right. And then, then she was not famous anymore on the internet. <laughs> she made her YouTube money and she's out. Uh have you ever injured yourself during fireworks? Yes. Yeah, I had a firecracker. It wasn't on 4th of July, though, and I went to throw it. I guess the fuse was a little too short, and I went to throw it by my head, and it blew up right next to my ear. Oh, it was so bad. How long were you deaf for? Oh, uh, it was like a day and a half, probably. Did the same exact thing as a kid. My brother used to have a drawer full of firecrackers, bottle rockets, and M80s, and we would, I would steal them, and we'd go play Army, and we would use them 
sometimes throwing it at each other, or we would, you know, tape them to little army figures or whatever the case may be. Well, one day I took a pack of fire, a couple packs of firecrackers. You remember the firecrackers are wrapped in that like red wax paper. And uh, we were getting ready to move to Florida. So we were in a transition home. It was a townhome. And I walked down to the, the, the end of the community, like there was new construction. There's a, a pond that I'd always go and catch tadpoles and be by myself. I'm like 10, 11 years old. And I took these firecrackers and I'm lighting them off, you know, like, oh, that's cool. So then I wanted to get creative and I used, I was like, well, instead of using the fuse, I'm going to light the paper. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it instantaneously blew up in my face and I was deaf for the rest of the day. My hearing didn't come back till the next day, like afternoon. And I remember that entire day uh, I was avoiding my mother because she'd ask me questions. I couldn't hear a damn thing she was saying. <laughs> so I was walking around the house and like, I, I don't even think to this day she knows that that happened. And I just walk around, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd pay attention to see if her lips were moving. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just point up to my room. I, I'm not, I probably sounded like deaf August when I was talking to her. I'm not in my room now. <laughs> so I know the feeling. Would you guys like to guess the top three uh, types of 4th of July injuries that are on the rise? Because they're up 32%, 32% since 2012. And this is partly, they say, because parents don't keep a close eye on their kids. The parents' fault. The most at-risk group is teens between 15 and 19. Last year, one in eight injuries caused by fireworks were in that age group. So there's three types. Uh, what do you mean types of injuries? Like w what part of your body has been injured? <sighs> three types of 4th of July injuries to be aware of. Um that that are guests becoming more common. They're not necessarily fire firework related, but these are the type of injuries that take place on this day. Drunk boating. That's what I was about to say, like a boating injury. Uh no. I don't know why they say top it's three. There's only by really, a car? Oh, there there are well, there's only two. I only see <laughs> two on here. Well, no, okay, fireworks is the number one. So that that's the number one. Okay, so I already gave you that one. There's two other types of injuries, non firework related, you have to guess. Slip and fall? Uh, slip and fall, no. Grilling? Uh, grilling's number two. Nicely done. Yeah, yeah. That's just to say, maybe burning yourself while you're grilling. Up eighteen percent in the last decade. Little kids are the most likely to get burned. One in five patients who show up to the ER with a grill-related injury are under the age of ten. That's probably because their dumbass is trying to take their hot dog off the grill with their with their fingers. You yeah. know, I mean, like I just got this hood installed for my grill. Thank God, I've been wanting this for two years, and you know, because I got so much smoke coming up underneath. And now it just has got a stack, and Jeremiah fucking sample hooked it up, and it, it's great. But the Kamado Joe, I, that thing can get up to 900-plus degrees. Damn. And when you're grilling with that type of grill, not that you're supposed to be, I mean, you don't even sear at 900 degrees, but, you you know, if you forget that you have all the vents wide open and you leave it and you come back and you're like, holy shit, it's at 900 degrees, then you have to get it kind of under control and go back, you, you want it to sear at about five to 600 degrees. So you have to adjust the vents and wait a couple minutes, stuff like that. But when you open that damn thing up, I've opened it up before, and those damn flames are jumping out at me. 
uh, you know, and I put my hand in the fire too because I got to move around the grates. I mean, I got the, the gloves on, but it's just still fucking hot. And I don't know if you've ever touched anything that's at 600 degrees, but it's just pretty damn hot. Um, so I can totally see that. You got one more. This one might be a little bit more difficult. Very obvious, but more difficult. Uh, just getting drunk and falling down the stairs. No, not has nothing to do with alcohol. Mm. Uh, getting trapped in a blow up playhouse. No, well, I probably was in fourth place, Brandon. <laughs> Something with boating. No, boating's already been said. Has nothing to do oh, with yeah. boating. Think about the oh, time. Just, go ahead. Just get a just get in a car accident on your way to a Fourth of July party. Now think about the time of year, July. Heat stroke. Oh, sunburn. Heat, heat related deaths. Yeah, up fifty six percent in the last uh, three years alone. People at the highest risk for heat stroke are babies, young kids, and senior citizens, eighty five and up. So, don't leave your kid in the car. They just they babies in the sun. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a story I read the other day. A guy left his kid in the car. You know, or mom left his kid. I mean, like I don't think they do it on purpose, but how the fuck do you forget your kid? And your car is going to get to like 110 degrees. That's ridiculous. You know? So I, yeah. I, I just recently bought this thing called a Brella Shield. Brella, Brella, Brella. The most ingenious invention ever. So you know the, 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 the thing you put in the windshield in front of your car to keep it cool so the sun's on me? So I have one of those. And you remember back in the day you would have it. And for some reason back in the day, like your first car when you had it, you remembered to put it up. But... I just don't remember to put it up. It's kind of a pain in the ass for whatever. Like the, the old school ones are a lot easier to do that fold out like an accordion. The new ones are kind of like uh, like pop-up tents. Even though they fold up nice and small and neat, they're just for some reason a pain in the ass to put up, and I never did. So I, I, I've just never used it, and it's been so damn hot. And I found, I got this ad popped up in my Instagram, seen on TV, made by the people that do the Arctic whatever I was like, oh, I know that product. And it's called Umbrella Shield. And it's fucking genius. It's the thing you put in your windshield with an umbrella handle. So you just pop it up like an umbrella and you pop it down. And what keeps it in place are your visors. Absolutely mind-blown brilliant. And it works great. Works like a charm. So it's fantastic. Uh, I I got some more Fourth of July stuff for you. Uh, this is some trivia because supposedly Americans are really stupid when it comes to American trivia. Like they don't know shit. Uh, 20%. Well, let's, I'm not going to ask some of the answers. So I've got some of the questions here and I'll tell you the percentage of people surveyed who knew it and who not, who did not know it. Brandon, who was the first president? George Washington. Would we all agree with that? Nate? Yeah, but I feel like there was, uh, it depends on what you're talking about. Because uh, I think that he was the first president, like, elected, but it was there something, somebody elected, like, when it was just the Continental Congress or it wasn't officially a country yet? I feel yeah. like it's a trick question. It's not. It's George Washington. Yes, that is the correct <laughs> okay. answer. So 13% or roughly one in eight don't know it was George Washington. 6% said Abe Lincoln. Uh, which was our 16th president. 4% chose John Adams, who was the second president, which is just odd that you'd pick John Adams. And uh, 3% said Thomas Jefferson, who was our third president. Uh, Not everybody knows that George Washington. They still teach that in school, right, Brandon? 
Yeah, he's on the one dollar bill. One George, one. That's a great way to remember it. <laughs> yeah, your your rhymes. Never, never even heard that before. That's brilliant. Uh, what did the Declaration of Independence do, Jill? What did it do? Do I not get options? What did it do? I mean, it was the, what, like the Articles of Confederation and stuff. It was just kind of like the rules of America. Okay. The rules of America. Not not rules, but it laid out like our, Mm -hmm. just the basis of our country, I guess. Kind of like our scruples, what we stood for or whatever. And then they made everyone sign it and say, hey, this is what we're going to base our country off of. And we're going to stick with it for hundreds of years. The longer you talk, the worse it gets for you. No. Nate, do do we agree with whatever the fuck she just said? Yeah, I think it's up for, you know, it's a personal opinion. Interpretation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's really not. It's it's, it's a very simple answer. I mean, the Declaration of Independence. Declared independence. Well, it it also. But there was more to it. Yeah, that's not just all it is. It, It gives, it names the rights that you have, what the government will do to protect those rights, and then what happens if the government oversteps those rights. Well, thank you, Nathaniel. It it, it is that it declared our independence from Great Britain. I mean, that's the short version. I mean, that that, yes, there's a lot of things in there and the signing and all that good stuff. I was getting all technical with it. No, you were you were treading water. (laughs) That's what you were. But the Articles of Confederation is the first part of the Declaration of Independence. Nine percent thought it freed the slaves. Seventy-eight percent knew it declared our independence. So, uh, nine percent thought it freed the slaves. Seven percent said it declared our independence from France. And six percent thought it gave the women gave women the right to vote. No, it surely did not. No. Uh, at what age, Nate, can you vote for president? I believe it's eighteen. Do we agree with that, Brandon? Uh, 17 and a half, I think, depending on when the election is. Okay. Uh, Jill. Ooh, now I don't know. I'm going to go 17 and a half, depending on when the election is. <laughs> it's, it's 18. I know what Brandon's saying, but it's 18. Uh, only 80%. Even if you're not 18 in November, uh, you and you're, you're going to be 18 the day after you still can't vote. You Damn. To, you yeah, yeah, I think Brandon said uh, it's you can register to vote when you're 17, but you can't actually vote until you're 18. Only 80 percent knew that it was only 80 percent knew it was 18 years old. Three percent said 16, nine percent said 21, seven percent said 35. Um, they think that's at least in this story. Some of these people might have misread the question. Thirty five is the minimum age to be president. <laughs> So they were thinking, be president. I would do, love. Do you think it should be? Hmm? Uh, do you think it should be earlier or later? I mean, do you think that should be changed at all? No, I, I think I think it should coincide when you can, you know, if you can die for your country, you should be able to vote for the guy that runs it. So it should, in my opinion, coincide with that. If you're going to raise the age to join the military to 21 or 20 or 19 or whatever, then you raise raise the voting age. Um, I don't think we've ever thought it through like it should be thought through because 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds can change the whole landscape of our country if, if, if they got involved with the voting process. But that means you have to be educated, too. And that at that age, I think, comes from 
the teachers more or less than the parents. I think your senior year in high school or your junior year in high school, they should have a class called Voting 101 where it goes through, it's almost like a history lesson. You're not pro anyone, but you break down who the um, the candidates are and what they stand for. Factually stuff, fact stuff. You know, like this one's a Republican. He stands for this. This one's a Democrat. He or she stands for this. And not your opinion. I don't need any of that bullshit. I just want what they what they're what they're 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 running off of. You know, if you were to go to Trump, he was big on immigration. I'm building a wall. I'm making America great again. You know, you, you don't need the the peanut gallery saying, well, he's this and he's that, but he did this. And this is what he's saying is take it for face value. And then you come to your own opinion. That's not yeah. offered. Yeah. And I only ask because I've, I've read there is some thought that uh, it should be lowered. Actually, I don't agree with it, but they, they think it should be lowered because no. technically you can get a job at 14 or 16. And part of having the government and voting is um, like the, like let's say a 16 year old, they're working, they're paying taxes, they're filing their taxes. They are, uh, they're taxed without representation. They're, you know, no taxation without representation. They have no say in who is, who is being put into these things, but they are all or into these um, offices, but they are being taxed as they, without being able to be hmm. represented. Oh, that's a good argument to make. I could see, I could understand that. You know, I, I would, I would accept that as an argument. That's, that's pretty, that's, that's, that's a fair argument, but do you, you yeah, know, and I don't mentally think that they are ready to do something like that, but, but yeah, but it is a good point. You know, if they're being taxed, they should be able to have some say. Well, I also, I also think that the, if, if you're going to have just the one day and what we've learned over the the past couple elections with the mail-in ballots i mean the 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 idea from the right is pretty much no on the mail-in ballots it benefits people on the left because that makes it easy for them to vote and they don't have to go out of their way but you have to understand not everybody can get off of work you know some businesses will fire you they'll say you can't go so that's not fair so if you either make it more than just one day make the voting process a lot more uh locked down so it's it's not so fucked up i i still don't understand how american idol can get all of their votes correct but we we always fuck up elections and there's always some type of and this goes back to bush gore Right. I mean, it's just, there's always something that, that's going on, but American Idol's got it figured out. They, they yeah. never have any issues with their voting system. I can tell you that right now. You <laughs> never hear those stories, but the, the, the national, the federal government can't do it. It's weird. Um, so, uh, okay. So that's, uh, what age can you vote for? What are your two rights of everyone living in the U S two? It's two. Are you asking everyone or you, you're probably thinking of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness in the bill of rights. Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's not the answer I'm looking for. I know one. Yes. Freedom of speech. That is one of them. Correct. I think uh, I know another one. Freedom of religion. That is the second one. The uh, 86% yeah. got it right. Uh, and these are all part of the Bill of Rights. You know, the, your First Amendment says freedom of speech, freedom of this and freedom of that. Uh, 4% think freedom to disobey traffic laws is actually. 
I like that one. One of our rights to live in the United States. Last, last one. This one's easy. Brandon. Who was yeah. Ben Franklin? Ben Franklin, he, uh, he invented electricity, or he founded it. Mm-hmm. The, I'm looking for his title. Who was he? What did he do? Uh, he was as a far, writer. As far as, as far as our government goes, what did he do? Uh, he was a consultant. He was a consultant. You know what? I'll oh. get, I'll, yeah, go ahead. He was the father of the Constitution, wasn't he? Jill, just just hold your breath for just let's get through this because you're, you're you're killing yourself. U.S. diplomat is what the answer I'm looking for. Like a consultant. I'll give you consultant. I like consultant better than <laughs> diplomat. Uh, 21% thought he was our third president. And four, I think a lot of people think that. 4% uh, thought he was the inventor of the airplane. Yeah, not the, <laughs> the the glasses and the kite and the electricity and the key and all that stuff. You know, not everybody knows that story. So uh, anyway, that's, that's, that's your trivia for the 4th of July. I hope everybody was on the same page. I hope everybody has a safe 4th of July. Uh, whatever it is that you are doing, do not injure yourself or others. Don't be stupid and have your hot dogs and your hamburgers. More patriotic hot dogs or hamburgers? Ooh, hot dog. That's a tough one. I think hamburgers. We got a lot of cows. <laughs> I think hot dogs. I, I would say hot dogs. And that's probably because of Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Yeah. You know, probably. I, I think hot dogs. More patriotic, Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Says the, man, says the man wearing the Pepsi hat. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your enemies close. Well, it, I think it's definitely Pepsi because Pepsi is red, white, and blue. Coke is just red. Bam. Bam. Ooh, I like Not that. Fair enough. I like yeah, that. We're from, the, we're from Georgia. We can't help it. Pepsi was, <laughs> oh, Pepsi was first too, right? I believe Pepsi was before Coke. I have no idea. I think so, yeah. Let's see. Pepsi introduced 1893. Let's see Coca-Cola. Was Coca-Cola? Didn't it used to be made with actual cocaine? Yeah. And 1886. So Coke was first. Oh, wow. But Coke was not. It used to be medicinal, too. Coke was not the first uh, soda, though. That that was, that that the, I think it was Dr. Pepper, actually, right? Yeah, I think so. Right. And then in that and that and that building, I think, is in Georgia. Uh, 1885. And, and where did it where's the origin? Um, let's see. What was it? Where's doc, uh, Dr. Pepper created? Where's where's Dr. Pepper born? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Coca-Cola born in like Cartersville? I think no, Coca-Cola is uh, downtown um, by the Marta station. It's oh, got a really? big sign up there. They have a big yeah. yeah, it was a, a pharmacist there. Yeah, there's a sign outside there, uh, like a pharmacist created it for. It was like supposed to be some kind of tonic or something. He was medicine. A, he was a soothsayer. He was a medicine man. Created the Coca-Cola brand. Probably sold it for five thousand dollars, which is a lot of money at the time. <laughs> you hear those stories all the time. It's like, yeah, the guy that invented the sticky note sold it for twenty dollars. <laughs> it's like, oh, you dumb fuck. Uh, Doctor Pepper invented in Waco, Texas. <laughs> Really? Waco, Texas. There's a building in Georgia, an old Dr. Pepper building that they keep. I want to say it's that somebody's going to tell me, I'm sure on social media, but I've seen pictures of it. I almost want to say I've been there. I don't know why, but I've been there uh, for whatever reason. Anyway, have a good 4th of July. Uh, 
I want to recap, even though it's been a few days, but you know how this stuff works. We record and, and go and record with uh, the Backstreet Boys concert. Some of you are not going to like when you hear this, what you're about to hear. And we had Howie D from the Backstreet Boys on the podcast. Everybody knows my history with those guys. First radio station helped launch them here in the United States, blah, blah, blah. But I'm a rock guy at heart. And boy bands are not a guy's MO, right? You're not going to go. Very few heterosexual guys are going to be running around going, favorite band, Backstreet Boys. It's just, that's, it's a thing, right? It's just how society views it, blah, blah, blah. It, they're for the chicks. Uh, so no guy is going to brag about going to a Backstreet Boys show. No heterosexual guy. It's just not going to happen until now. I've seen them before, and I'm going to tell you, and I just got back from the stadium tour with one of my all-time favorite bands is Poison. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Joan Jett. The Backstreet Boys concert was better than that show. The Backstreet Boys concert is one of the best shows that I think I've seen in my life. And I, I, I say this because of their passion. Like, these guys... It's 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 one thing to go out there and kind of do like Brett Michaels. Uh, he's I love Brett to death. Don't get me wrong, but Brett is a businessman. When he goes on and he talks about there's going to be this party and this party, this party, he's not partying. Okay, he's going to bed. Um, he, 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 but he, that's that's the gimmick, right? They're a party band. They have to come across like they're partying all the fucking time. Uh, the Backstreet Boys, yes, there's gimmick where they still, I mean, it's really cheesy. They go out there and they do the the hip thrusts and, you know, all that cheesy 90s boy band stuff. And the women eat it up. And you're looking around going, wow, this RV Wade thing was just about 10 years too late. Because maybe if you would have not had those kids, you wouldn't be looking like you do now. But anyway, besides the point, it's a joke. Relax. Um, the, 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 the women are still as as loud and horny for these guys almost 30 years later. And they're bringing their daughters and making their daughters horny for these guys who they never let them date because they're all 50, 40 some years old. And their daughters are like 20, but their daughters are wearing Backstreet Boys stuff, dressing like their mothers did in the 90s. It was, it was fa fascinating to watch this whole thing. <laughs> um, you know, my wife grew up with them. You know, she's 10 years younger than I am. She's 38 years old and she's having the time of her life, right? She's just heard she, one of her, one of our friends, uh, brought a couple with us, uh, Lindsay and Lieutenant Dan. And, and, you know, she's having, they're having, they're, they're, I don't want it that way. Quit playing games with my heart. But I'm watching these guys on stage and I'm going, after almost 30 years, boy band is a very generational genre centric type of music. It comes, it goes, and when it goes, it's gone. These guys, it was there. It left for a minute, but they found a way to bring it back to stay. God, that was beautiful words. I just said that kind of rhymed and everything, but it, it, that's what they've done. And they really enjoy being up there with each other. If they were faking it, they're the they're the best actors I've ever seen. They and to have a group of guys that still care about each other after thirty years, we couldn't even fucking keep a radio show together for ten years. 
You know, these guys love each other after three decades, hugging and slapping. And it's really, really a sight to see. So I got to tell you, um, it's hard. It's going to be hard to find a better show, even if you're not a boy. band. I mean, like, I don't know half the songs that they did. Like my wife's like, oh, my God, this is one of their new ones. (laughs) Okay, cool. I believe you. (laughs) I just know what we played on the radio back in the day. And uh, and they, they, they 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 story told throughout the show. So they would take you to different, you know, periods of, of your life. I mean, they were catering to the nostalgia factor, but also allowing the new fans to come in. It was a brilliant show. And the stage setup was not cheap. That's another thing. A lot of these bands don't have money for a big stage setup. Uh, you know, the, the, the hair bands back in the day were synonymous with these big, you know, fireworks and pyro and chicks on poles and this and this and that. And even though Motley Crue had chicks on poles, which was kind of weird, I got to tell you, like, I get it. That's their gimmick. It's the strippers and the poles. But they're all like in their 50s and they've got these girls in their 20s dancing behind them on the stage and they're kind of catering to it. It's a little fucking creepy. <laughs> like it kind of made me feel uncomfortable, you know, cause if you're a, a father to a daughter, you're like, well, my daughter just got a job grinding on a stripper pole on the Motley Crue tour. I'm so proud. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess it's just how you look at it, but anyway, it's a, it was a fantastic show. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. So what, like what was good about the show that not that like the Motley Crue show wasn't, but I mean, to me, it looked like a fantastic show. I would have definitely gone, but it just looked like they're up there singing and dancing. Like, how was it any different than any other show? So I kind of, I look at, I've always looked at shows this way. Do you care to be up on that stage? And bands have a tendency uh, that right before the end of the year, they'll do a lot of shows in or around their hometown where they're going to be spending the holidays to pick up a few extra dollars. Nothing wrong with that. But you can tell when a band is phoning it in, especially when they're doing a gig that is not as glamorous as what they might be used to or back in the day. They feel like it's demeaning to them, beneath them, underneath them. Um, and if they're angry and they're in a pissed off mood, which is tough, I mean, to perform every night and, and to, to put on a, a happy face and a good show, I mean, that's what you signed up for, but it's not an easy thing to do. I, I totally get it. Just like I had to put on a radio show every day. I mean, we do this every day. So it's it's just part of it's it's part of the, the thing. So to answer your question is I could see in their faces, like in their movements and their body language, they just loved to be up there. It's not like they're broke either. They just love yeah. they just love and you know, and, and I think after I'm sure after the first couple tours. When, when it started to wear on them, they weren't the same way as they are now. But the older you get, the more you have, I think, a, an understanding and, and appreciation for what it is that you do because you're on the verge of possibly losing it forever. And when something's gone is when you really love it, whether it's a person or a hobby or whatever the case may be. So I think these older bands that that have been around, these seasoned bands that have been around for a while, have more appreciation for what they're doing now because they have the opportunity to do it now. Uh, the, the younger bands don't get it, and they shouldn't get it because they haven't been there. It's just all about living life. Uh, the, the stadium tour show, what I saw was great. Don't get me wrong. It, it, what I saw was good, 
But Motley Crue has a pro, they they have a habit of doing this. Not so much Nikki Six. I think Nikki Six is is the one that loves probably him and Tommy Lee love probably the most being out there. I think Vince Neil phones it in because you can't have Motley Crue without Vince Neil. And the same goes with Mick Mars. You know, Mick Mars's health is so bad, but he's out there. You know, and he's never been the charismatic part of the band. But you want to see Mick up there. It's just that if you're going to see an older band, you want to see the band. And if you can, right? I mean, there's some bands that just have no original members and just tore off the name. Um, yeah. But but it was good. It's just that you look at Vince Neil and you're like, you're doing this for a paycheck. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think that's uh, like a genre-specific thing. I think that's only rock bands that do that. Because I've never seen like a, a country artist or a, somebody like a Elton John or anybody in any other type of genre phone it in like that. It's, it, I think it's specifically rock bands that fall apart in the middle of whatever decade they came out of. And then they decide, oh, shit, we need money again. So let's get back together and just, you know, get back with the crew. Uh, but since it is like rock is kind of rebel and, you know, against the man and everything, if all the players are like that, they eventually get, I mean, look at rock bands. They typically break up more than any other type of band. So I think they all get like a little like rebellious themselves and they start arguing and fighting and then they break up and then they have to get to back together like 30 years later. You know, I won't disagree with you on that just from experience. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, like when I'm talking about this, I'm talking mainly about rock bands it, it, and I, I go back, you know, years and years ago, I just would always remember bands would come through smaller venues like the house of blues or, or the hard rock live. And I'd be like, Oh cool. They're going to be here by the end of the year. And I'd go out and I'd see them. And I was always not always, but most of the time, very disappointed. If you ever go see a, a, a concert, again, let's just say a rock show, in December, most of the time, it, it's it's not what it was when you saw them in June. It, it's just a it's just a different it's a different feel, and it's almost like they phone it in before the end of the year. It's just like a comic that decides to do some gigs in their hometown while they're on vacation. They're doing that for tax write-off purposes. They pick up a few extra dollars, but they can write off the entire visit home because they're working. That's why they do it. It's a fact. I know it. I've asked them. And, and, and you go see their shows and their shows aren't usually as good as they are when they tour and they're trying to impress a crowd. So, and it's, I'm not beating them up over it. It's kind of human nature, but it's just, yeah. it's, it's a thing. But the point is, is that the Backstreet Boys you could tell they really enjoyed what they were doing, at least for the Atlanta show. I don't know if the other yeah. shows were different, but they really, really enjoyed it. Well, they're, they're buddies. They were friends. They weren't just thrown together completely, you know, and they also, it doesn't seem like any one of them has a super big ego where that would cause issues within the band. So they're probably just a bunch of dudes having a good time with their friends, doing what they love. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. I, we, we showed up, uh, we, we showed up to the venue, kind of early because I didn't, you know, we were going to go back and say hi to Howie and I didn't know how that was going to work. I had passes waiting for me. And let me say this about the Ameris Bank Amphitheater. Their staff is phenomenal. They are the nicest people and the most helpful people that I think I've ever seen at any venue. They are top notch. Ameris Bank Amphitheater, top notch staff. So we're walking around. As soon as we walk in, we grab some drinks. We go, uh, we find our seats. We've got great seats. And, 
And and then uh, I was like, all right, we I only had two passes to go back and say hi. And so uh, I was like, had to leave our friends there. I was like, you know, hope you understand. We're not going to be long and, you know, it's going to be in and out. So we go back and uh, he was like, yeah, how will be? He'll be out in about 30 minutes. And I was like, all right, cool. I was like, we'll, we'll come back. And Rachel's like, she, Rachel is what I never was and never, I, I still am not. Rachel, Rachel is a concert merchandise buyer. When I was a kid, my mother would never let me buy uh, merchandise at the at the circus at the, in the she would always say we can find it cheaper at Kmart now you can find anything online cheaper right and just have it shipped to your house but Rachel likes to pay top dollar and and <laughs> buy it at the venue bless her it's heart part of the experience then that's what that's what I chalk it up that's fine you know she bought me a Motley Crue shirt at the show and I didn't ask for it good one uh, uh, she you know so I was like well, what do you want. Cause this was her birthday prize. So, you know, I got it. So like, what do you want? She's like, I really want that hoodie. And oh. so we, 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 the car payment. We, 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 bucks. We, we, we wait in this one line and I was like, I don't think they have the hoodie. I didn't know which one she wanted. They did actually. And it was a shorter line. So we go stand in the longest line known to man. And we finally, it's like coming right up on when we need to get back there. I'm like, you're going to miss your chance to go touch a backstreet boy again. She's like, oh my God, hurry up, hurry up. So we get up there and uh and she gets it. And I was like, how much is that? And this dude, dude was like, Yeah, that's it with tax, it's eighty one, eighty six. It's like for a hoodie? He goes, Yeah, they're expensive. It's backstreet boys. <laughs> I was like, okay. And and so we're we're walking back and, and I when we were waiting in line, I noticed like radio stations aren't as I mean, we even had this problem when we were at, at, at the, the the rock station. They're they're very bad at promoting themselves. Like you don't realize it until you don't work there how bad it really is. And so this event, you know, you had the top forty stations here in town, with the exception of one. I didn't see one of the top forty. I didn't see that Q station here. And so the, there was like a power station and a B station. And the B the, the promo B guy was like, uh, "Hey, you want to get?" They were taking these pictures with Backstreet Boys signs. I was like, "You don't want me." He's like, no, we want everybody. And I was like, no, you don't want me. I promise. <laughs> and, and and I'm I'm looking at the the promotion, like the 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 setup of these these radio stations. It's fucking horrible. Like they they they're not doing anything. They'll have like two or three promo people, and they're all on their fucking phones. Like the, the that power station was set up. I don't even know if they were playing music or not. There were like three people representing the radio station. I don't know who the personalities are on the station or what, but they've got three, three people. Two of them were sitting down at the table on their phones, hunched over. And the third one was standing at the table, facing them hunched over on the phone. Somebody's got to tell these kids that's not inviting. Like you want people to come over. You want to ask them questions about, Hey, I'll give you a prize. If you can name our morning show or something like that. To, to educate the masses, there was no representation of the radio station. Like I should be able to walk up to a radio station setup and know who at least their morning show is, you know, who yeah. I'm starting my day with. There's nothing. The rock station we worked at was fucking horrible at this horrible. There was no reason to come up to the table, right? That's why I stopped doing yeah. appearances because they didn't, they didn't give a fuck. You know, the sales guy would sell it. 
And then there would be no follow-up. There'd be no reason to come out. And then I was the bad guy because I'd always go, hey, how do we make this bigger? Shut up, Jason. Just go out and do it. You're collecting X amount of dollars. I understand that, but there's more to it than money. I might be collecting X amount of dollars today and same with the radio station, but if we do a great job, we can collect it 10 times over again over the next year. They don't look at it that way. And, 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 you know, and then you have people that work there that kiss ass that go out there and try to pretend like, oh man, I had all these people come out because they knew me three and, you know, like, you know, there's a long line. No, <laughs> they, we sold so many fucking furnaces. You know, you didn't <laughs> like it all lies. It's all smoke and fucking mirrors. You know? So uh, I, I just, I, I guess I just never realized when you're not in the business, you just don't realize how bad it really is. It was bad. Yeah. Well, I'm sure like Jill and Brandon can attest to it. Like when you're doing those promo type of things, they like nobody trains you how to do like they're just like go out there and be there. Even even as being a talent going out on a doing a remote, like I had to do call-ins and stuff. Nobody ever told me what to like, how to talk about it, what to say, you know, how to like bring people in. Nobody ever trained like you just have it's just like figure it out, you know? So it's not surprising that a lot of the guys are just sitting there because nobody's instructed them what to do. Well, I wish I knew how to do it. I went to that lady every Tuesday and Thursday for eight months. She said she was going to have us out there doing stuff. Not one time did we get to go out there and have fun and go to a tent. I'm like, what the hell? Come on now. And you would probably be really good. You would have been really good at that, uh, Brandon. That would have been like right up your alley. Like when I started in the radio business, I started as an intern in promotions and at that time, they could do anything they wanted to you. So I was I was washing vehicles. I mean, I was washing <laughs> banners, and I was inputting winners contest winners information in DOS. Uh, like it was like there was one computer in the whole building, and I mean it, it was it was different times and no budget. Um, but when I became a promo guy. Uh, and then I was on the air. They brought me in to intern for the morning show. So I was doing two things at one time. I was smart enough to use the, I, I said, can I go by what they're calling me on air? Buckethead. And so, I, you know, we wore name tags at the time. We looked like Disney employees. And so I would go out there and some of the jocks had a problem with that because I, I was at, at a certain point in time more popular than they were, you know, especially like the overnight guy that's out there doing a gig. So I would use that to my advantage to promote myself, even though I'm promoting the station and them, but I knew I had to make a name for myself. So I would do things, you know, I would just like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. You know, and some of these jocks just thought that they were too good for it. And they'd just be like, yeah, whatever, man, you could do it. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's what you take advantage of when you're young in the business. You know, you're like, okay, you don't want to do it. I'll do it. I'll pick up all the scraps. And, and make a name for yourself. But I also learned that you have to super serve people that come out to see you, you know, whether they're prize pigs or not, there's, they went out of their way. It's at some point in time to come and see you. You've got to pay it off just by saying, hi, thanks for listening is not good enough. Give them a fucking piece of pizza. Talk to them, ask them about their lives, give them a sticker, give them a shirt, give them a CD. When we used to do that back in the day, you know, it's, you, you got to do that. There's no promo in radio anymore, but that they expect to compete with uh, streaming services and podcasting, which I know that there was this new uh, survey put out where, 
you know, extremely high percentage of people still use terrestrial radio for their, you know, entertainment and all this and this. I'm not saying radio is ever going to go away. It's not. It's just you're dying. You're killing yourself. You're eating yourself from the inside out because you hire the wrong fucking people. And the only reason you hire those people is because they can do this parlor trick of putting six cocks in their mouth at one time. And, 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 and I guess radio execs love cocks and mouths. I have no idea. I did not, I did not know that. Did not know that. I, 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 I missed that lesson in my career. So anyway, there was a radio station in Vancouver that's getting ready to flip formats and they fired some of the popular DJs that they had at the radio station so this KISS station, which is kind of like a, I guess, a top 40 easy listening type of station, they they played Rage Against the Machines, Killing in the Nave of for the past 10 hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell yeah. So that, <laughs> uh, which, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a bit. There's no doubt it's a bit, but uh, it's, it's clever. They, they got picked up by Rolling Stone. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like the Shawshank Redemption. It's like lock the door, put on some tunes till they bust it down. Exactly. Um, several Twitter users noted that disc jockeys had occasionally paused the loop to take call-in requests for the same song. The same thing happened when Rolling Stone tuned in. An NBC News reporter said a disc jockey went on the air to say, you're probably wondering what's going on. The track was originally written by the band as a protest song against police brutality. Now you do... What they told you. Uh, that's, of course, in the song. So they, they're they being rebellious. But that's cool that they allowed them to do that on their way out because it's been getting ready to flip formats. So everybody's getting blown out. Damn. That, was, that sucks. That, that's how you do it, though. That's how you go out. That's You know, when I was in Tampa and I knew it was not working, I went into, who is now very high up with iHeart, but I went into his office and I said, it's not working. The show's not working for whatever reason. I said, I know you're about to fire me. Uh, and I'm fine with it. I really, really am fine with it because I'm not happy. You're not happy. We're not reflecting anything in the ratings. It's just, I'm miserable. But let me go out like a martyr, you know, not to bash on the company or the radio station, but let me do something. Let me bid it out. Versus how they handle radio personalities now, where they uh, they just you just they fire them. You never be heard from again. You got to go into social now. At least we have social media to talk to our audience and podcasting to bring them over. But back in the day, you were fired, and people would lose you, and you would never be found again. And maybe some other day when you're both living in Montana, they're like, "Dude, did you used to do afternoon drive in Louisiana back in 1998?" Yeah, that was me. Didn't you go by uh, Pistol Paul at the time? Yeah, I went by Pistol Paul. What did you? You're just going by Paul now, huh? Yeah, I just I'm going by Paul. That's that. That was the conversation. Uh, yeah. They they should allow radio DJs to be creative on the way out, like wrestlers do. You know, you lose the belt before you leave, and you do that, and you follow the rules, and you go by the storyline because you love the industry, and you're under contract. You know, and, and it happens all the time. This is, everybody knows this is last match because he's going here. He just got, it's all business. It's not personal. Radio makes it personal. Not the DJs, the companies. They make it personal. And that's sad because the listeners suffer. I, I was, uh, when we were at the Backstreet Boys concert, Howie D's uncle? I'm going to say uncle. 
guy, really nice guy, lives in Alabama. He came up, but I remember him from last time. Unique looking character. His wife, very sweet. She knew me from the tennis tournament. She's a big tennis fan. She comes up for the Atlanta Open Tennis thing, which happened at the end of this month. And then uh, their friend and her friend's daughter. And her friend asked me, she lives, she lives in Cumming. And she, uh, she knew me from the radio show. And she didn't know what happened because I mean, she's probably in her 60s, you know, so she's probably not falling over the podcast or keeping up with social media. So she just lost it. But she's a big country fan. So you have the country stations in Atlanta, uh, the Bull and whatever the other one was that was in our company. New country. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> and, and, and she loved my friend Spencer when he was there with the girl. And she's like, what happened to him? And I said, he got, he, got, he got fired, I guess. You know, well, he did get fired because I thought about it. And he got fired. And she's like, I hate that. She's like, I hate when they fire you guys or you guys leave and we never know where you're at. <laughs> I was like, yeah. She goes, and she, I mean, she went on a rant. Like she was cutting a promo on how bad it is for the listeners. And I was like, preaching to the choir, babe. I know, I know, I know you're feeling. So anyway, it was kind of funny. Anyway, all right, you ready for uh, your Mexico moment there, Naders? Yes, sir. All right. And now a Mexico moment with Nate. All right, good. A Mexico moment with Nate, sponsored by Furry Family Comfort Care. Stephanie is a registered veterinary technician certified in hospice and palliative care for dogs and cats with over 20 years experience. Mobile and virtual virtual assessments, things like, do I need to take my dog or cat to the vet for this? They, they also offer advice on dietary issues, hospice consultation, grief support. And now if you mention 50, if you mention the BS, you get 50% off your first appointment, whether it be a consultation on your pet's health, hospice consult, uh, cold laser ther- therapy or 50% off one night for your dog or cat at furry family comfort care resort. And you can find them at furry family comfort at furry family That is furry family There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So this week, and this happened a couple days ago. Um, so here in Mexico, when uh, we take tiger out, there's not a lot of uh, vast lush uh, green fields around us. So we basically take tiger over to the old uh, median where there's a little patch of some crab grass. Um, so he can do his business. And then we walk him around the block and um, you guys have, uh, except for Jill, Jill, you got to get down here. Uh, but I you guys have all get down there. Yeah. Yeah. You need to um, ne- next trip. I think next time Jason's coming down, maybe you come down surprising with Brandon. I just got my passport. That sounds great. Yeah, man, I can't wait. That's so exciting. Thanks, Nate. What a great idea. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Brandon and Jason, you guys have been down here. Um, so there's restaurants and bars kind of around us. And when they're done with their stuff, they leave, uh, or, sorry, their trash. Um, they'll just leave it on the corner and then the, the trash guys come around and pick it up. So there's always some weird shit on the corner. Like, uh, I think right now there's a toilet out there because um, <laughs> th- their toilet must have broke. So they just put it out there until the trash but the trash doesn't come for like a couple days for them so now there's this toilet sitting out there um but they they usually ju- leave their trash there and there's these can guys that come around and pick out um the the beer cans and the soda cans and everything so they can recycle them so they tear open the trash bags and then there's like junk on the street for a couple days um so we were walking uh tiger a few days ago and um he's 
you know, a little slow. He just turned 13. He's do 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 And he's just walking, and uh, he's sniffing every plant that every dog has ever peed on in their life, uh, so it takes a long time. And then we see him, like, dip his head down onto the street and start to eat something. And do you guys remember um, I got those uh, Japones? They're the Japanese peanuts. Oh, love those. We still yeah. have them here at the house, yeah. Yeah, they're like they're basically like a peanut, and then they have like a little hard shell around them. But it's not like a peanut shell; it's just like you can it's eat like the shell. A jacket. You eat the shell; it's good. Yeah, yeah, you, you eat it all all together. They're good. They're crunchy. They're they're good to have like at the beach or the pool. Um, well, they don't just make just plain ones; they also make um, super hot like sriracha ones. Mm. Um, and we realize Tiger had scooped up one of the, just scooped up one of those little sriracha peanuts. And I think he uh, very quickly realized that it was the hot one because he just started uh, just uh, he just immediately regretted it. He was sneezing and he just had this win- <laughs> just wincing uh, kind of face and just started to cough. And he like pugs do this backwards sneeze and hiccup. Where they're like, <laughs> and so he's just losing his mind right now. And he's his eyes are kind of turning red. And while he's doing this. Another dog came up, came up to him, and is and it's like a big street dog, and it's just drooling all over. It's sniffing Tiger's ass, and so Tiger's like trying to like deal with this spicy ass peanut he just ate, and there's this dog like violating his butthole and just <laughs> drooling all over him. So we like we couldn't get the the peanut out in time, uh, obviously, but uh, not not a good day for Tiger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> day was great until that fucking spicy peanut and the damn dog putting his nose up my asshole. <laughs> yeah. So we bring him back in, and he's he's still sneezing a little bit, and he's just covered in street dog drool. Not not a good time. He had to get a bath. <laughs> Brandon loves that story. He's like, man, I wish I was there. I would have loved to have seen it, man. I just would have been so up in that shit. <sighs> I'm gonna lay in the street and let the street dogs drool on me. <laughs> Do they have dog parks in Mexico? Yeah, there's one um, across the highway from us, uh, but we usually don't take him over there because he's not he's not like the running around playing with a ton of different dogs age anymore. So, mm. so we just kind of walk around the block and that's usually, that's enough for him for the day. They have the, <laughs> those fetch parks here in Atlanta. I know they have one in the city and then they just built one right next to Ameris bank amphitheater. That's where we got picked up by our Uber actually. And those are cool. Like, I mean, I always wanted to be a dog park guy, but I'm such a dog snob that, you know, God forbid, you know, you're out there, somebody's got whatever dog, and it just grabs a hold of little Toon Toon's neck and just rips her to shreds in three seconds, and there's nothing I can do about it, right? Um, so, you know, better to be safe than sorry. But it's a cool concept. They got, they got beach volleyball at this place. They have a bar. They got, I think, food. Uh, all kinds of neat stuff. Yeah, I've been to the one in the city. They have um, like an airstream trailer that they've converted into a bar. Yeah, they have like they have bumble meetups. So if you have dogs, um, like I don't know if it's you meet up on Bumble or if it's just like within some Facebook group or something, but it's kind of like you, you do like a dating thing with your dogs to see if your dogs get along. And then also if the owners get along. So I thought that was a pretty good idea. All right, uh, podcastthebs.com. I just want to remind you guys, very important that you uh, not only sign up for the newsletter, but also if you're not a subscriber, just another little extra added Super Mario Brother bonus here is that we're about to announce Podcast and Pours 2. It will be a ticketed event. There will be a reason for that. You're going to love it. 
Uh, you thought the last one was awesome. Wait till you hear we got planned for this one and where we're going to be doing it and how we're going to be doing it and who's going to be involved when we do it. But we will be giving away free tickets weekly starting here very, very soon to you subscribers, you premium two percenters. So you can do that on podcastthebs.com. Just a little teaser for what's about to come. All right, let's talk to our guest. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Watkins Law Firm, trial and litigation attorneys. So if it's personal injury, wrongful death, contracts and transactions, landlord and tenant disputes, or just general civil litigation, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC is where you need to go. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC. And here's Tyler's tip of the day. In Georgia, if a tree falls on someone else's property, usually that person's out of luck. Under Georgia law, landowners only have a responsibility to ensure and check for visible and apparent patent decay and tree rot. So if your neighbor's tree falls on your land, you're usually out of luck. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC, serving all of Georgia. Next time, talk to Tyler. Are you looking to build a mountain home or a cabin in western North Carolina? You know, you hear me talk about Paradise City all the time and the cabin up in Mineral Bluff. Well, Mac Development Group, they are a one-stop shop for all your needs. A full-service design-build real estate developer, and their team handles everything for you. From your land acquisition to designing your custom home to the general contracting and building. They provide your family with the ability to have a one-stop shop and know what your project is, and it's delivered on time. Plus, everything is built in this 3D software process that you can see ahead of time to make you kind of ease your tensions as you move forward with this really cool and exciting thing in your life, right? Currently booking for full-time builds, and they need to get folks on the schedule. The folks are you. Reach out to Mac Development Group, macdevelopment.com. That's macdevelopment.com. Also, hit them up on social media, Instagram and Facebook. I'm so happy that so many of you enjoy Nubertese Men's Wellness League's uh, practitioner, Diane Spiva, when she comes on the podcast. I think it's great. You know, I've been going to Nubertese Men's Wellness League in Sandy Springs, Georgia, for well over a year with testosterone maintenance. But they do so much more than that with a weight loss program, sexual health, pain and joint management. Nubertese Men's Wellness League is a men's wellness facility for guys and guys only. Guys, as you get older, your body starts to break down. There are things that you can control and there are things that you can't control. Just pop into Nubertese Men's Wellness League in Sandy Springs or go online to menswellnessleague.com and schedule a phone call just to see where you're at. It could possibly save your life. That's a true story actually happened to a listener, right? So right now, the Wellness Combine, get it for 99 bucks. That's $200 off the regular pl- uh, price. Plus, mention the BS Podcast and get 10% off that price. But you got to mention the BS Podcast. Go to menswellnessleague.com. Hit that schedule button. Son of a bitch. I just called to say you should subscribe to The Bailey Show, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear, then get a full seven days a week plus of new content by subscribing. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. And back to you, Jason. Look how badass is our guest right now. His uh, memoir, Scars, Scars, S-C-A-R-S, Scars and Stripes. 
an unapologetically American story of fighting the Taliban, UFC warriors, and myself. Tim Kennedy is a decorated Green Beret sniper. That's awesome. UFC headliner. That's awesome. Television host, just to name a few different things. So, Tim, fight the Taliban, UFC warriors, and yourself. Who was the tougher opponent? Well, I'm the dumbest by far. Um, <laughs> and fighting dumb people, you know, like my, my dad would always say, like, never fight somebody that has less to lose than you or is dumb. Yeah. And uh, so I have a little bit of those. So I was a hard, hard one to beat. The Taliban, they suck. And, uh, you know, obviously the UFC guys I fought were very talented. So I don't know. It's tied for first. You're you're like one of few fighters I was reading that simultaneously served in the United States Army, which, by the way, thank you for your service, um, while also beating people up in the UFC and other promotions, right? Yeah, I, I was the only guy to, to be kind of fighting while I was active, um, especially at that level. So that was... That was weird, but um, and also tough. Probably not the, the wisest decision back to being stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I always, you know, I lived in Tampa during the first pop of the USC, uh, UFC and the um, and the, 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 the what was the reality show? The Tough Enough uh, Ultimate Fighter. Sorry, Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. And so you had a lot of guys coming from that area, a lot of the Gracie and the American uh, to top fighter places, all those places in the Tampa, Central Florida area. And a buddy of mine um, was on the show and fought for UFC for a minute. This dude, you guys look very, look very similar. And he was ripped up. He was a Marine, total badass. And I mean, he wasn't fixing cars in the Marines. He was an active Marine. And, you know, we had an okay run in the UFC, but I always, I'm like, how can you be this much of a badass and not dominate in the UFC? I ask you that question. I mean, the uh, if I if I went and did any other sport, you know, uh, would you expect me to go and be the next Wayne Gretzky if I played hockey? Yeah. Would you, uh, you know, would I if I went and played basketball, my LeBron James? Mm. No, obviously not. Um, you know, it is a sport and you have to be very, uh, it's a, it's a very specific sport and you have to be skilled at the, the specific, the specific techniques of the sport. Thankfully, there is a lot of similarities and carryovers from, uh, special operations, combatives training and fighting, but, uh, you know, by, by no means are you, even though I think army special forces are the most elite athletes on the world, you, they still have to be an athlete at that specific sport to be able to compete at the top level. I, but I, I'm talking about the other guy. I'm terrified. I'm getting in that octagon with you. And I'm like, I, I can't do this. One, I can't punch an American hero Two, this guy's been in, in caves in the desert fighting for his life. And now he's standing across. Like, I don't want this fight. I mean, it was, did you have anybody that backed down because they were just terrified to be in there with you? No, no. The, all, all the guys I fought, they were, they were fierce warriors. You know, um, I, I have losses on my record from, you know, talented, high-level guys that um, I think I should have won but didn't win. You know, they're close, close fights. But, um, no, they every, every single one of them definitely brought it. Yeah. Well, you, there was, you know, just the business, but there were a lot of fights that you were supposed to have or a few of some top-name guys 
that just never happened for one reason or another, right? Yeah, that, that was pretty I, I don't know if uh, they didn't want to fight me if I was a bad matchup, but a, a few times fights against very marquee, known kind of household names, those fights were supposed to happen and they never came to fruition. Uh, you know, Anderson Silva, Leonardo Machida, Chael Sonnen, um, and uh, it, they were great matchups for me, so I was really excited. It, but, you know, they for one reason or another, they, they never they – never, Never were realized. Uh, I've got a buddy that lives in Orlando that was a fill-in. I think it was for Ken Shamrock uh, to fight Kimbo Slice. His name's Seth Petrozelli. And, I know that. Yeah, okay, so Seth's like the, like the craziest motherfucker you can hang out. I mean, that guy's nuts. But he's he's a sweetheart, right? I, and he's got his, his gyms in Central Florida. Um, I think he calls them the dungeons or something. And... Uh, and he went in there and whipped that in Kimbo Slice's ass. And Kimbo Slice was like the first YouTube sensation, you know, if you remember that far back, and extremely intimidating. And Seth looks like a G.I. Joe figure, you know, young in his career. And he went in there and just whipped that. So it was like, who the hell is this kid? And just totally made a name for himself just based off that one fight. Yeah, I remember that fight. I mean, it was wild to see Seth kind of smash Kimbo. But, you know, that, again, that's the difference between a, you know, backyard brawler and, a, and an athlete, um, you know, in a very specific sport. You see, in the early days, it was just a kickboxer versus a jiu-jitsu guy. You know, but now the current MMA, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He wrestled collegially. You know, he's a very, very high-level level striker. You see, you know, the, the corners that go over and fight and do well you know you see anderson silva who's a ufc middleweight champion he goes over and he's now undefeated in boxing fighting fighting champions for belts so it's uh the, the, these guys really really are talented at a very high level yeah and yeah you know, one night in particular we were out and you know he's the at the time the only guy that could go out wearing pink pants and feel good, no underwear, and he was showing everybody his his hip and his ass. He's got this huge tattoo on his right hand side, and he was showing people. And I was like, "Dude, you're the only person that can get away with this," because like, <laughs> you know, people just know not to mess with you. Um, so you're you're the only guy fighting in the United States Army, fighting the bad guys, the Taliban, and fighting professionally. So when you served, uh, when you signed up to join the United States military, what was the driving force? Was it a family thing and just everybody in the family did it? Or was it you felt that was your duty to serve your country that way? Uh, A little bit of both. You know, I um, 9-11, I I walked to the recruiter's office on 9-11 on, uh, you know, 2001, September 11th, after watching Americans burn alive and jump to their deaths. I, uh, I walked in the recruiter's office and that started the journey to go to special forces. Um, you know, I had uncles that were in Vietnam, my dad as a public servant. So it was definitely part of my family. Uh, but it, I think it, the most about justice, you know, we weren't ones that could just hang back and let evil people do evil things. You know, as a four year old, when a dude, a little boy made fun of Laura that she had a boy's haircut. You know, I followed him up to the top of the playscape, punched him in the mouth and shoved him off. You know, by the time I am, uh, you know, a young teenager, somebody attacks my sister and I throw him through a phone booth. You know, it's, it's, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing, even if it's a violent thing. So that's, I'm assuming a true story. You threw some kid through a phone booth, huh? 
Well, he was a young man. I was the kid. He was the jerk. I was the hero. I still got in trouble though. So you you were the baby face. He was the heel, and you you were justified. And now, thank God, there's no phone booths that exist anymore, so you can't throw anybody else through one. So lame. I miss those things. <laughs> uh, so you go straight to Af- uh, Afghanistan. No, I go to Iraq first. Um, and then after Iraq, then I go to Afghanistan, uh, and then South America and Central America and the Caribbean and, um, then Africa and Europe and Africa again, and then Africa again, and then Africa again. Now it looks like it's going to be Eastern Europe. That's the new hot spot. Yeah. And you're a sniper. I am. Yes. Yeah. You are a sniper. And so is that something that you, like when you sign up, they have a bunch of things like, what do you want to be in the army? And you're like, ah, I could probably be a good sniper. And then they send you to sniper school. No, um, once you get to your combat unit, you know, if you go to, to Ranger Regiment or you go to the Green Berets or you go to the 82nd Airborne, um, there are a few different sniper schools that you can attend. There's the Army Sniper School, which is um, for combat units to send their best tutors and best recon guys Um and then there's Special Forces Sniper School, which obviously is for special operations guys. Uh, slightly different. It's it's longer um, and uh, some some different requirements uh, to graduate from that. How, how What's your farthest shot so far on record? On paper or in combat? Both. Uh, a mile and a mile and a half. So the mile was on paper, a mile and a half was in combat? No, a mile and a mile and a half was on paper. paper. Mile, um, a mile was in combat. Oh, that poor bastard. A mile away. Think about that. A mile away, and Tim Kennedy's just like, I got you, dude. You're done. Didn't see it coming. Right there through the eyeball, probably, right? No. <laughs> no, uh, I actually like, winged him in his upper left long off his uh, left shoulder. Yeah, did, is just one, or did you just like? Um, there, there was lots of shooting in, in my in my in my book, Scars and Stripes. That there's a chapter called uh, the Valley of Death, and there's lots of death. Well, you know, and I, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just trying to have a conversation. I know this is, you know, it is in your book, and you do talk about it, and you do live it. Um, but to, I don't think I've ever spoken to a real life sniper before. I mean, that's like the upper echelon of stuff. That's badass. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's just a skill. Um, you know, Ranger school is a school you go to learn how to lead, um, sniper school, Safartex, Safawik, like all these schools teach you different things that you need to know to be able to do your job better. And, um, you know, if you pick up like my military book, there's 40 of those schools in there. And I think all of them are, are of equal importance, uh, depending on what your mission set is and what your job is. This, this, the sniper part just sounds sexy, um, you know, thanks to Hollywood. But, you know, there, there are way more important things that you need to know. Yeah. So you're, you're serving. You served what? A total of, I believe, what was it six years in the military? I was active duty for uh, eight years, nine years, and then um, I have been in the National Guard for the past nine years. Okay, so okay, so this is a long time. But at what point during this, to you know, col- collectively all these years, did you say I need to find my next job? And that's when you started to uh, fight professionally. No, I, I fought the whole entire time that I was in the military. Uh, I I was never you know, and while I was fighting. 
I was starting to set up my businesses. Um, and while I was setting up my businesses, I was starting to set up my school. You know, there, there, there's not like the, the movie book turning the corner and starting the next phase of my life. Um, you know, I just kept kind of hustling and I kept working and I kept trying to do the right thing. And, and, uh, and those, you know, those businesses that I started while I was fighting became big businesses and those biz, big businesses gave me opportunities to do things that I really care about, like, you know, start my own school. And that's, that's, that's been the process. Yeah. You, you still have the apparel company, Ranger Up? Yeah. Ranger Up, uh, apparel company. I have Sheepdog Response here in Texas, defensive tactics training company. I have Whoopies, a shoe company. Um, wow. I have uh, Apogee Strong, an online mentorship program for young men. And then I have uh, Apogee Cedar Park, our private school. I have my own jiu-jitsu school. Um, so, yeah, man. I've... Well, by the look of your house that you're walking around in, I'm assuming that's your house, unless you broke in. It's beautiful. You know, you must be doing well. That's my wife. She, uh, <laughs> she she's she's the, she's the, she's the bread bringer around here, and she makes sure everything's nice and that's, nice and amazing. So, but let's get back to the memoir, Scars and Stripes, an unapologetically American story of fighting the Taliban. Kind of talked about that. UFC warriors. Kind of talked about that. But we haven't talked about yourself. And at the beginning of this conversation, I asked you which one was the toughest, and you said you're definitely the dumbest. So, how does that come into play? Yeah. Man, um, early in that book, one of the chapters, uh, I think it was called the fall and defiance. You know, I, I was working as a firefighter, making bad decisions, um, wanting to go into law enforcement after I graduated from the police Academy and, um, you know, being dumb and, uh, you know, being a EMT. I got a, a few women pregnant at the same time. I thought I had HIV and I was going to be dying of AIDS and, uh, you know, I'm standing on a beach in Morro Bay, California with fog out, out over the water and start swimming due east or due west into the fog, you know, butt naked. Um, so like I was fighting, you know, my own demons, I was fighting, uh, you know, my own choices and, uh, the consequences of those choices and, you know, throughout the whole entire book. Even when we get to special forces, I'm, I'm still making a litany of mistakes. You know, as a business owner, you know, I've, I've been embezzled. I have had failed businesses and uh, lots of struggles. So, yeah, I fought myself a lot. Well, what, what did this stem from? I mean, this has to come from somewhere. Is this PTSD from the war or is this something from your childhood? No, this is just uh, a, a young man that's imperfect and human. Um, you know, like my, my mistakes were kind of extraordinary because I was living a, uh, in extraordinary circumstances and in extraordinary times, but you know, like I was not extraordinary. I was just human. And, uh, you know, when you're, you're in situations like that, being human means you are imperfect and there's not you know, like that book is not a story of all the perfect, perfect things that I did. It's a story of all of the, struggles that every single one of us have. And I think that's why that book is so, you know, it's the number one book in the world right now. It's, um, it is, you know, every single review, every single review right now is five stars. Like if, and it's, it's, it's because it's this vulnerable, transparent, real book about what it means to be a man and what it feels like to, to fail and to struggle. And, uh, you know, it's not this like, Hey, here's my, here's my advice on how you're a better man. You know, like be hard, get up early. You know, it's just like, Hey, here's me. Here's my mistakes. Do better. Yeah. Well, the, the, there's something about the mixed martial arts fighter 
is that you guys have uh, like something different in your DNA that the rest of us don't have. You know, so, and it's, it's a little bit of a, to be honest with you, a screw loose, but you've got to have a little bit of a screw loose to do what that is. I mean, I've always said that, you know, between an MMA fighter and a swimmer, these are the two athletes that are in the best shape out of any sport, in my opinion. Um, But there's something, you know, every guy that I've known that's fought MMA, whether it's UFC, K1, any of these types of promotions, they all have this common denominator and it's a, it's they're crazy. There's a, there's a crazy gene in there, you know, and it doesn't, and it doesn't stem. And I, and I don't say this to bash anybody. I say this because, you know, you look at a ba- a guy, you go, that's a baseball player. That's a football player. You do the same thing. At least I do with an MMA guy. You're like, that's an MMA guy. I never knew what it was. It's not drugs. It's not alcohol. It's just something about you guys. You tell me, what is it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know it's easy to be like, man, there's something, there's a screw loose or they're crazy or there's something unique in their DNA. It's, it's, I, I don't think it's true. You know, I, when I was born, I had a, a, a heart defect that my, meant that my heart was pumping 30, 40% less blood. I was a smaller kid than all other, all other kids. I was the least athletic. I was the last one picked to, you know, play any game, any time on any playscape. Um, you know, my first wrestling tournament, at uh, I think I was 10 or 11 years old, I got pinned in 30 seconds. And, you know, so it is, um, and I was humiliated and I was embarrassed. So I went back and I worked harder and I went back and I tried harder and I went back and paid attention to detail and I listened to my coach and then I made more mistakes and then I lost more. Um, You know, I I look at, you know, the Anderson Silva's and the Chris Weidman's and the Robbie Lawler's and the Roy McDonald's and like, these are, these are people I know and I spend time with. And, um, Matter of fact, like my phone right here just keeps dropping text messages from Chris Weidman and the, uh, they're not Superman, right? They don't, they don't walk into a little phone booth and walk out and open their shirt and they got like an S on their chest and transformed into, into this amazing person, you know, like Chris was a UFC middleweight champion and he broke his shin kicking somebody, you know, like that happened. They're human. Um, and uh, I think the easy button, the two easy buttons I always see is there's something special about us, which is not true, or I do steroids, neither of which are true. Like, I'm not special. I'm not crazy. I'm totally human. And I've never done it. And I've never done uh, any steroid ever in my whole entire life. Th- these are, it is regiment, it's discipline, and it's hard work. Yeah. Well, don't get me started on the steroid thing. Like, that's ridiculous. People think that if you take uh, the synthetic side of things, that it automatically gives you talent. Like in the baseball world, hardest thing to do is to hit a 98-mile-per-hour baseball. You juicing is not going to make you hit that baseball. Now, if you hit it, it might go a little bit farther, but you still got to hit the damn thing. You know, yeah. so it's that's a whole other conversation. Then the testosterone, which should be allowed, in my opinion, in professional sports, there's no reason why a 31-year-old man that still has the ability to play uh, a, a sport professionally and put food on his table for his family should not have the same testosterone level as the 21 year old, just medically technology. It's there. It wasn't there 10, 15 years ago. It's not evolving. Would you agree with that? Um, no, not the synthetic, I, uh, not the synthetic I'm talking about testosterone maintenance. Yeah. I, I, I want, um, whoever you are as a person to be fighting the best version of yourself as you are. Um, you know, as a, as a 43 year old man, I don't want to have the, I, 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 
I, I want who I am as the abilities that I am right now to be able to be who I am. And I don't want to go and change anything. Like I'm still a freak, you know, I'm, I'm still six packed out. I'm still hanging with all of the 23, 24, 25 year old athletes. And, um, and then, you know, watching like, oh, I'll use Vitor, Vitor Belfort as an example. You know, when he was in his late 30s, you know, he was on TRT, you know, and he knocked Michael Bisbing's eye out of his head. I'm not talking about hitting a baseball. I'm not talking about throwing a football. I'm talking about taking your shin and smashing it into somebody's face and trying to make them unconscious. It's, it's slightly different if you are using any form of supplementation that is uh, performance enhancing. So... I, I like everybody being on the pl- even playing field of come as you are. May the best man win. Yeah. Okay. Each of I just, that's, I never heard somebody say it like that. Now you make me rethink my, my stance on it. Jeez. Thanks. Tim. Well, that's, that's a compliment to you. If you rethink a stance. Yeah. I, uh, uh, but I also get what you're saying, man. Like I, I, I love, um, was it Mark McGuire, you know, and then, uh, Sammy Sosa breaking records left and right. And then like they put little asterisks by it. And I was All like, right. I could stand in front of that baseball plate and you could throw a thousand pitches right down the center. And I won't, I won't hit one of them. Not yeah. one time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but they, that's they still connected the, and sent them to the stratosphere. But they, that, that, that's not what I'm talking about. Cause they use the synthetic. I'm talking about actual just testosterone maintenance where they're putting, you know, your test test. I, 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 there's a difference. And so like the guys that are taking, you know, the Winnie or, or those types of things, they're trying to cheat, you know, and it's just that, that that's a little bit different. Just that, that's just my opinion. But, but yeah. it, you know, you, you talk about the mistakes that you made and you're a successful business guy now, and you've had, a, you know, your career in the United States military and in the UFC, but I'm, I guess I'm missing something. You know, I'm a big fan uh, as well as you have to have more failures than you do successes in order to appreciate them and understand them. Just like Michael Jordan in his book, you know, I missed so many more shots than I made, but people will remember this, right? So where was the big screw up and how were you saved? I mean, it doesn't sound like it was drugs. It was alcohol. It was just crazy Tim Kennedy. Yeah. I mean, the big screw up was me. There's, there's, there's not a, uh, there's not a carrier for the bad decisions. I was the bad decisions. You know, there, there wasn't like, I don't have a scapegoat of me being able to pass the blame onto, man, I had a drinking problem, you know, or I was addicted to this, or I had a bad childhood. I didn't, I had an amazing childhood with amazing, loving parents. You know, I have no excuse whatsoever besides me just being a, a reckless young man and then having to learn from my mistakes. You know, if, if I went back in time and was going to tell, you know, the 17, 18, 19 year old Tim Kennedy, the advice that is going to help him not make so many mistakes, do you know what I, I would go back in time and do, I would kick him in the dick, punch him in the face, not say anything and walk away because <laughs> yeah. that Tim Kennedy still need to learn, still needed to learn all of those mistakes and a little bit of pain, a little bit of extra pain would have uh, just added to it. I'm assuming your wife has played a huge role and the new and improved Tim Kennedy. Well, I'm 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 definitely not new, uh, but I am trying to improve. And my wife is amazing, and she does polish the edges of a very j- jagged, roughed, dumb stone. I am a rock, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, like, I, I'm still I'm still I'm still working on getting better. I still make plenty of mistakes. You know, I have made big bad business decisions in the past eighteen months that we're that we're still trying to work through. Um, you know, think 
yeah, so like the, still still making plenty of wrong wrong choices. Do you guys have a, a little you know, husband and wife joke? It's like oh, you pull a Tim. Oh, I don't want to pull a Tim. You got something like that? Uh, she she uses me as a verb. Like, oh, you really team Tim that one? Um, <laughs> yes, I knew it. You know. <laughs> You're like yeah. Facebook. <laughs> you become a <laughs> verb. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so before when you were talking, because because you got what kicked out of the police department, uh, the fire department, the EMT stuff, that all none of that stuff worked for you, right? I mean, it did. I, I loved being part of those organizations. I loved protecting and serving my community. Um, you know, but I, I wasn't mature enough and uh, stable enough to 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 do such a serious job, and um, you know, so. It is one of the, those are two of the greatest jobs on the planet. So anybody thinking about what they want to do when they grow up, man, be a police officer. It is so rewarding, but uh, you have to be a very developed adult with some serious interpersonal skills. But you had mentioned, and you kind of just pushed it all together. You're like, I was working with the EMTs and I got them pregnant or, you know, like it would just, it sounded like you knocked up all the EMTs that you worked with, but that's not the case. It was just a part of a portion of your life where there were women in your life that you slept with that you happened to impregnate at the time. They weren't necessarily in the ambulance. No, they were not. Okay. Um, the, uh, what was that movie backdraft where they're, they're yeah. having sex on the top of the fire truck as they're leaving, you know, and, the, and uh, they pull a hose out and the panties were hanging off the, the yeah. top of the hose. You know, no, um, you know, that, that was just a period of my life when, while I was a firefighter and an EMT, I was still making a plenty of, plenty of bad decisions on, along the way. Yeah. And the, those women are not in your life anymore. Do you I mean, do you still talk to them with the kids or what are the kids? Going? Oh yeah. I have two beautiful, brilliant daughters um, that are working hard at being adults and, and with jobs and college and all of that. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, like now that the, the girls are grown, you know, I, I don't have to work with the moms as often, but they're both amazing women. And we both have beautiful, brilliant children that are, that are turning into great adults. How'd you deal with the uh, kids going off to college and helping my daughter's 17 and she's got one more year left in high school and she is hell bent on going to LA of all places. And I'm like, you know, I mean, there was once a time in my life where I was like, cool, but Lately, with how the world is, I'm just like, you know, this is not the spot. It's just we can do what you want to do. She wants to do, you know, hair and makeup for Hollywood movies and stuff like that. Like, we can do this somewhere else. We got to be able to do this somewhere else. I just, so I'm like, you can't go there by yourself. So I'm trying to indirectly talk her out of it without forcing her to make a decision so she becomes rebellious. It's a very tricky thing. It is. I mean, but LA sucks like yeah. that. Of I mean, that is a cesspool of, of human existence. I I, I do not want to. I'm, I'm from California. There's not a there's not a bit of me that wants me wants to be back in California. Um, yeah, and she could do that anywhere. Austin is a movie city now. Uh, Albuquerque is a movie city. All of New Mexico is. Nashville, you can do tons there. Go to New York. Um, I wouldn't go to New York because New York sucks almost as bad as LA. Uh, yeah, but there's pl- plenty of places to go. Well, we live in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta's like the redneck Hollywood now. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's what I'm telling her. But she wants to, you know, go off and fly like a bird off on her own, you know. Do you have that yeah. problem with your kids yet? or? Yeah, yeah. W- which is good. You know, like they got to spread, spread their wings, you know, fly into a couple of windows, get their wings clipped a few times. Mm. Um, us as parents, we just have to do damage control and make sure that they're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Nate's a fellow wrestler from Iowa. You know, he's a wrestle guy. You got a question for Tim, Nate? Yeah, actually, uh, one of my 
buddies or one of my teammates from high school uh, went on to be kind of a similar path, went on to be an army ranger and uh, won the ultimate fighter, Colton Smith. Um, and so I, and I, at the time I would have never guessed that he would go on to do that. And I know a lot of fighters come from different backgrounds, whether it's jujitsu or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, wrestling. Do, and I know you boxed and did jujitsu and wrestled also, could you say that one of those things helped you more than the other, or is it just kind of a collection of all of your past skills? Uh, wrestling's the best. Uh, wrestling and jiu-jitsu are the best foundations for fighting. Uh, Colton Smith is, uh, he's dumb. I, I hate him. He is not a great person. He's a terrible army ranger. I'm just kidding. Dude, I, I, <laughs> I've cornered Colton Smith on his fights in the ultimate fighter. Uh, he's, he's been my friend for like, over a decade. It's wild that you bring him up. I love that dude. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I went to high school with him. Did you wrestle oh, did man. you wrestle him, Nate? Did you wrestle him? Not really. He was uh I, I when I, I think he was a freshman or sophomore when I was a senior, but I, I grew up wrestling um or he was in my, you know, junior club and everything like that. But he was he was far smaller than I, I wrestled 152 when I was a senior. And I can't remember he might have been 112 or something. He he was a lighter guy, so we didn't often wrestle. God, those are the days, huh? Those 152 days, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh all right. Uh we've got to let Tim go. Brandon, sorry, Jill, sorry, but uh we're running out of time. So I know he's got some other things to do. Uh, Scars and Stripes, an unapologetically American story of fighting the Taliban, UFC Warriors, and myself. Please remember us, you know, if you ever want to make your rounds, come back on. I've got so many more questions and more conversation to have with you, dude. You're awesome, man. You're really, really cool, and I wish you nothing but the best. Stop making dumb decisions, though, because you're too damn good (laughs) and smart for making dumb decisions. It's amazing. Uh, Guys like you can make dumb decisions and still have seven figures in the bank account. I make a dumb decision, and my life goes to shit. You know, why is that? Make, I don't know. (laughs) Hmm. I'm going to start, I'm going to start timing my way through life. See how that works. Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. God bless guys. All right, brother. Take care. We'll see you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. You want to know when the best time to upgrade your house? Always, always a good idea. It's great for your property value, especially if you're in the business of trying to sell it right now and definitely the kitchen and definitely the bath. UCI Kitchen and Bath, that's where you need to be. They've been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator, plus installer for the past 20 years. Extremely fair prices, quality of work, excellent service, uh, sets them apart from their competitors in their industry, which is a busy, busy industry. So if you want to visit the showroom located in Norcross, Georgia, right there, you can see their cabinets, you can see the granite, you can see the countertops, you can see the quartz, you can see the marble, you can see the quartzite, and you can watch them cut it there too. It's a one-stop shop as UCI Kitchen and Bath also provides the installation on whatever you buy. Let's save you some cash. Mention the BS, you get 10% off regular priced countertops. So, save some money. Mention the Bailey Show podcast, 10% off regular priced countertops. UCIGranite.com. David Hawks, owner of Rockland Contracting, would like to thank all of you two percenters for making this year such an amazing year for his business. 
veteran-owned, established in 2009, David Hawks is slammed, all because of YouTube percenters. Specializing in deck design and build, also basement remodel, new HVAC installation, uh, interior and exterior painting as well. So, with Rockland Contracting so busy because of you, they're taking appointments for next year. Get a hold of them, 678-879-3867, 678-879-3867, or rocklandcontractingllc.com. He's also looking for anyone that needs a job. $20 an hour is where you start. Previous experience, like deck building or framing, a must so you can get a hold of David Hawk, 678-879-3867. Help you help your business get to the next level. And you do that by incorporating create graphics in there. Whether it's vehicle wraps, corporate events you might be having, interior, exterior events, Graphic Design and Apparel, Create Graphics, is a full-service graphics company that specializes in graphic design, wide-format printing, and graphic installation. Excellent customer service where every project is going to get that one-on-one experience from start to finish. CreateGraphics.net, C-R-E-A-T-E-G-R-A-P-H-I-X.net. Or you can call 770-369-9962, 770-369-9962. Son of a bitch. I'll be loving you forever, just as long as you subscribe to The Bailey Show. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear, then get a full seven days a week plus of new content by subscribing. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. And back to you, Jason. Big thanks to Mac Development Group. Those are the guys and girls that will help you build your dream cabin or mountain home in Western North Carolina. I know it's very particular, but people do it all the time. I got a cabin. It's beautiful. It's nice. Get a hold of Mac Development Group. Let them be your one-stop shop. They're currently booking for full-time builds. Their team handles everything uh, for you, from the land acquisition to design, general contracting, and building. So you don't really have to do shit. Just get a hold of them. MacDevelopment.com. M-A-C-K development.com. Nate, do you remember a couple years ago of my fly problem that I had? Yeah, I think so. You had like maggots and stuff too? Uh, Different fly problem. Um, Yeah, (laughs) tons of maggots, yes. But where the flies were at and what they were doing, do you remember that story I told? Yeah, I remember that. Well, when you'd have barbecues, they'd be like swarming around everybody at the table. Yeah. So I remember telling the story on, on the radio show. One person in particular didn't get it, but it was like, I got tons of feedback on it. It's like one of those interesting things that I didn't know was a thing, but I guess those that know, know it's a thing. And then I researched it and there's a whole fucking Reddit. There's Reddit threads about this. They're called, I guess, circle flies. That's that's what I read. They were called circle flies. And when this first happened, yes, we had tons. Of, it was like we couldn't eat outside because the fly problem was so bad. It was like biblical, a biblical proportions, like, you know, the locusts coming in or something. And I was like, why do we have so many fucking flies? There's nothing dirty. I clean up the mess in the backyard. Even so, that's not enough to attract this many flies. I clean my trash cans. I don't get it. I don't understand. 
So I remember a couple of years ago, I was reading through a Reddit thread and they were talking about somebody, they were calling them circle flies because they literally stay in a circle. They're not spread out. They like congregate in one area and it could be anywhere. And then they fly, when they fly away, they fly away in one area. We had just gotten our, our deck redone and we used the composite. And one of these threads said that there was something in the composite that attracts these, these flies. I was like, well, that's interesting. So um, where the flies were, at first, I thought that there was something sticky there. So I remember I went out there and I washed it. I you know, took some cleaner and stuff. And you could visibly see where I had wiped down where the flies were. I saw this group of flies, a shit ton of them, move from that spot. It was like they walked over next to the spot I just cleaned. It was freaky. It was like they had a mind of their own. Like when they came together, they formed this this giant bean or something. Have you have you ever seen anything like this? Yeah, not really. I, I remember horse flies, house flies, uh, but that's about it. I'm not a big fly guy. What about they're, you, Brandon? They're not the ones that had like the green head, are they? Man. Do they have a green head? No. Are they just? Do they look like regular flies that just group together? Just, I don't yeah, think ever. It's, it's the weirdest thing. So that was three years ago. And, or, yeah, about three, four years ago. Every year since, there's like this time period, almost kind of like carpenter bee season, where they're around for maybe four weeks, and then they just disappear. You just don't know where they go. They just leave. They go someplace. I have a fly season in, in my backyard, and this is it. Uh, so they're back. And the other day, my wife, she took a really bad video, so I haven't posted it yet because i got to take a better video. But... Next to our trash cans, where you would expect flies to be, but you'd expect them to be in the trash cans or on the trash cans. I have a, a very large step down next to the trash cans where there's a gate that goes into the first portion of my backyard. And there's a drain in there and there's some pavers and all that kind of stuff. She pulls me outside the other day and she goes, you've got to, she goes, did you see my video? I said, no, I haven't, I haven't checked my, checked my phone. And she goes, just follow me before you see it. I want you to follow me. So I'm walking out with her. We go out the side of the garage and I'm like waiting for, you know, a dead bird or something. And we walk, it's where my caddy shack is, where I have all my court caddy stuff. We walk to the end of it where the step is. And she goes, do you see him? I said, I don't see what? She goes, look down on the ground. I look down on the ground. She goes, do you see it? I said, no, I, I don't know what she, she goes. Take one more step. She wouldn't go any farther. She goes, take one more step. I said, okay. So I take another step and I'm surrounded like it was black. Like the, the, the air was black. The sky was black. All these flies, I'm talking probably a thousand that were just on the gravel. And I didn't see them. I just thought they were part of the gravel. They just rose up and they stayed in this circle. And then I took a step back and they landed back down craziest thing i still i cannot find an explanation for it on the internet yeah i can't even find anything about circle flies other than it's an old cowboy joke oh ha ha funny funny <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> ah. hilarious 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 uh so yeah um yeah that's that's my circle i, I if anybody 
has any idea what this is and how to get rid of them. That's the other thing. It's like flies are really difficult to get rid of. You might have a fly in your house. You hit it with a towel or fly swatter. The fly is dead. Fly paper, which is kind of disgusting, actually really disgusting. You don't put that in your house. You put it outside. You put it in the garage. It, it'll collect a couple flies. There's this powder that I bought off of Amazon that smells horrible. And it comes with a little container like a plastic, looks like a plastic plastic mason jar. And it's got holes in the top, and then it's got a cover that goes on top uh, of the holes so they can't get out, but they can get in. One of those types of contraptions. And you mix this powder with the water, and it is the worst smell ever. Really, really bad smell. This mason jar collects the flies. I've got hundreds of dead flies in this mason jar. Can you imagine the smell? It is disgusting. But still, it doesn't stop the, the, the damn circle flies. The circle flies are still there. I don't know how to get rid of them. I, like, want it to rain every day. And I don't even know where flies go when it rains. That was the other question I had. I have no idea. Are you sure they're not, like, baby flies? Maybe they just don't know how to fly yet, and they're just like, oh, get out of the way, and then they land again, and that's why they're <laughs> sticking together? <laughs> we, we have baby birds in our backyard, but I don't believe they're baby flies. They look like they're full-grown flies. You know, it's, I, I probably have one of those houses that at some point in time I'm going to find underground or it's somewhere in a crawl space that I have this ridiculous fly nest that you know nobody has but me. You know, like where people will go in their houses and be like, yeah, I saw a snake and then I looked in there and there was 500 snakes under my house. Oh, we got to destroy the house now. I'm going to be one of those news stories. I know it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the fly house. It's disgusting. <laughs> But I can't get rid of it. I, I, how do you kill a bunch of flies? How do you, like, a lot of flies, hundreds of flies, how do you kill them? And where are they exactly? Are they, like, under your deck right there where they were the previous years? Or, like, right no, by the deck? No, no, they're by the trash cans on the ground. So, okay, so that gate by the trash cans, mm-hmm. you know that the old gate I'm talking about? Okay, yeah. and there's, that, there's a step there. So they're on that right before the gate. On the other side of the gate, you know, I have pavers. And that little mm. path, you know, they're just on the pavers, like for the, in the next four pavers, they're just, they're just stay on the pavers. Weird. They, 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 they don't, like they a don't spring go, break for them. They go out there to suntan. They don't go on the gravel. They don't go on the grass. They, they don't go on the deck. They don't go on any of the plants. They just stay on the pavers. Uh, and on the other side, they're on the pavers and on the gravel. It's weird. They don't go anywhere else. Well, maybe since you, and there's gravel there, you said, right? So maybe there's that, you probably put that paper stuff down. So like, like, uh, weeds and stuff don't go through it. No. Maybe since you put, no, no, no. it's just straight up mud, just straight up rock on mud. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, either way, maybe the, the garbage juice is seeping into the, the rocks. And so it might not look like there's anything there, but they're, they're smelling all the nasty stuff from your trash cans. Maybe I, I got a critter guy. I got to call my critter guy. Cause my lawn guys didn't know. Joey and the guys, they had no idea. They're like fucking weird. But uh, the, I got a critter guy. Comes out, you know, I got critters like something in the attic or something. He'll put a critter trap out. Yeah, critter guy, you know. So, but, the, you know, I, I trust him, but some of these businesses can be really fucking shady. You know, if you don't know, if you openly admit that you don't know, Brandon, you, you probably run across a lot of hesitancy with customers that if they're told they need you to come out and check their back backflow, right? That's what's called backflow, right? Uh, or something with their irrigation, their sprinklers. And they don't know shit. Most people don't. 
they've got to trust you. But there are companies in your world, just like in every other business, that will take advantage of that. They'll say, oh, you're going to need uh, the Turbo 500 uh, Thunder Stick on your backflow because it's just not pumping what we need to pump according to a code violation in City Ordinance 104.9993. You know? Yeah, yeah. My old, my old boss used to do that a lot. Now, we didn't really like it. We'd be like, why are we doing this? She doesn't even need this. I'm like, oh, he sold her one, so I guess we're doing it. Such a dick move. I And, and that's like getting – when you get jobs for being stupid – not on purpose, and then you find out you got jobbed afterwards. It drives me insane. I just had to change air conditioning companies because my I was with this air conditioning company for a very long time. They were a mom pa. They were they were great. And they sold out to a bigger company, and they're not so great. So, uh, so I, I wanted somebody to come out. We were having some air issues. I wanted somebody to come out to do this this just the biannual maintenance thing. They, usually, they have programs. So I checked with one and it was too expensive. Then there was this other one that is like a no-name company that I've dealt with in the past because of our home warranty. I was like, I'm going to use them. They were great last time they came out. I liked how the guy explained to me the bigger companies try to sell you product. The smaller companies sell you on maintenance. So you don't have to buy the product because the bigger company has the product. So they can sell you for the upcharge. I thought that was very fair, very interesting, and I believed him. Well, this guy comes out, doesn't speak a lick of English, and he's doing the check, you know, and he's going through the crawl spaces and this and this and that. And I'd already changed the air filters. We're checking on all stuff. And I get a call from headquarters, and they said that I need my coils cleaned and I need Freon in my split unit. I'm like, I don't know anything about coil cleans. I, I, I buy into the Freon thing, but I don't even know what that means. What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, your coils are dirty. It's going to affect your air conditioning. How much is it? Well, altogether, we're looking at about $500. $500 fucking dollars? He's like, yeah. So I was like, all right, dude, clean the coils. <laughs> I was like, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if I need it. Or... It made sense. I, I, I asked the guy to show it to me. They looked dirty. They looked clean when he was done. Placebo effect. You walk in your house and you're like, Wow, God, yeah, it does make a difference. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I got jobbed or not. Who knows? We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's probably something you could have just done yourself because I'm pretty sure it's just like washing them off. You ever like watch a YouTube video after someone tells you to do something to see if that's really what needs to be done? Oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. Hold on for a second, uh, Pedro. Let me look at this YouTube video. You're right because I don't think he took it apart. I think he just squirted it down with a hose. Yeah, usually they just clean the outside, like the the grates or whatever on the outside unit, and then there's some stuff inside they clean. But, yeah, you just like a YouTube video up, and it's pretty simple. Fuck. Thanks for making me feel bad. You know, I, was have, I was having a great week, too. Um, the, the fallout from the Bahamas was, is almost done. I, I got my first refund from the Bahamas hospital. So they finally got that back. They said within 30 days, and... It's it's exactly 30 days for the most part, give or take, that I got the money back. Now I'm just waiting for the refund from the insurance company when I got travel insurance. I want to brag to say get travel insurance if you're traveling, especially overseas. I mean, yeah, like in a foreign country. And uh, so far it's been good. They say they're processing my payment and I should have it in the next couple of days. 
So if it all worked out, that's going to make me feel good. I was a genius. People don't even bother about travel insurance. And I took a chance and I bought travel insurance. And look well, at me now. Well, why did the hospital give you a refund? So what they do in the Bahamas, I don't know if other hospitals do this or not, but it seemed very odd. In the Bahamas, what they do is guess how much it's going to cost. So they did a guesstimate of a three-night stay, even though she only needed to stay overnight for one night. And this is the whole drowning incident that I've talked about. Go back to episode whatever. And, uh, and so uh, they said that the cost for everything for three nights was going to be $14,000. At first it was 20 and then it changed to 14 And they said, we can't do anything uh, moving forward until you pay. And the only insurance they take, nobody has. And so I handed the lady my Amex and said, okay. And I gave her my credit card. And next thing I know, I get a notification on my phone. Doctor's Hospital of Bahamas charged you $14,000. Amex didn't even ask if it was real. <laughs> it was like, all right, I've seen this happen before. And then whatever you're charged, they then deduct it and will refund it. So it's kind of shitty, especially if you have to make a payment on it on your credit card and you don't want to pay it off. Uh, even if you do pay it off, then you're just going to have a credit on your credit card. You still get interest charged. So it's kind of a shitty spot to be in. But uh, the hospital did refund me. Now I'm just waiting for the extra uh, $8,000, I guess. No, almost nine. Yeah, almost $9,000. But travel insurance pays for it all, so I don't have to pay for any of it. Hopefully. Did they, did they give you a hard time or anything about no. filing with the travel insurance? No, no. I, it's Again, it's not done, so I'm not saying everything's great just yet but so far the process has been pretty seamless i mean even the day that we were in the hospital and i called the travel insurance it's alliance is the travel insurance i called the travel insurance the lady was extremely helpful uh, very pleasant and you got you know you're elevated to a certain department because you're in a medical situation very very name was sasha very very cool and then I had to wait. This is a waiting game, in which I'm not very good at. Then I had to wait for the itemized bill from the hospital in order to file the claim. And you have 30 days after the incident to file the claim. I finally got the itemized bill. I had to ask for that a couple of times in the hospital about a week later. And then I filed the claim. Now, I went to the website and it didn't work for whatever reason on the website. I got an error. So I just sent them an email to the claims department with all the information that it asked me on the website. And they responded and said, we got it. We're processing it. We're looking at it. And then I checked the website and it says, your refund has been processed or is processing. Wait three to five days. And that's going to be the next couple of days. That's nice. But I've heard horror stories where people have had to get attorneys involved in all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can assume that. Especially, I mean, they're dealing with a lot of money. How, how do they even know that you're not scamming them? You could just make up some fake hospital from some other country. You could. Well, if you got the balls to do it, I mean, you could serve some time in jail if you get caught. I mean, but I know it doesn't stop people, but I think they call the hospital. They, they call and they check. The that hospital. makes sense. Oh, a doctor's hospital. Doesn't sound legit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, well, the doctor that helped her was a pediatrician, and she's 17. I thought that was weird. So the the doctor, so there's the, the hospital, the doctor's hospital, which is the private hospital in Nassau, Bahamas. Then, you know, I wasn't at the hospital when this happened. The doctor comes in to check on her, you know, her daughter's friend. And actually, I think it was a woman. And she was a, she was like, hi, I'm Dr. Such and Such. I'm the pediatrician. Her office is up the street. Now, I didn't know this at the time. We'll get to that here in a second. So, Rach says, yeah, the doctor came over and checked her out and blah, blah, blah. Um, we owe the doctor like $663. I said, okay, well, is that part of the $14,000 I just paid? She goes, no, that's extra. That's just for the doctor. I guess they... The doctors are all extra. It's like, but we're at a place actually called Doctors Hospital. You would, it's like their house. I mean, isn't it all inclusive? <laughs> like, what it just the? means we have doctors here. <laughs> so I, I yeah, I, I guess they they bring in outside doctors. I, I don't I don't know how the whole thing works. So I I uh, they call me and they're like, we need payment. So I was like, all right, well here's my credit card. It's not working over the phone for whatever reason. And I was like, okay, well. They're like, well, can you come in and swipe the card? I'm like, well, sure, I'll be at the hospital here in a minute. Okay. So I show up to the hospital, and I'm asking around for this, this pediatrician, and nobody knows who this person is. I'm like, oh, I totally got jobbed. This is a total scam. What the fuck? Some random person walked into doctor's hospital, got into the emergency area, looked at my daughter's friend, and then charged us $663. They don't even exist. But I haven't paid them yet. So I was like, ha, joke's on you, motherfucker. <laughs> so I call him up and I talk to the guy, this, this finance guy or something. He's like, oh, no, 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 we're not in the hospital. We're, we're, in, a, we're in the medical facility up the street, up the hill. I said, oh, okay. I was like, well, I'm at the hospital. He goes, well, you can take a cab. I was like, I'm done taking cabs. I'm, just, I'm getting ripped off every cab drive I take. I was like, can I, I, was like, I need to walk. Can I walk to it? He's like, how good a shape are you in? So what does that mean? He goes, it's a big hill. <laughs> I go, what? Big of a, we're on an island. How big of a hill is it? He goes, well, we're at the top of the hill. You go by the broadcast uh, center. You take a right, then you take a left, and we're right there. I can do that. He's like, should take you about five to ten minutes. So I'm walking up this hill. It wasn't that bad. And I get up there, and I walk up, and this is this building just looks like a just like a the shopping center. Uh, it's, it's, it's three stories, but they were on the fourth floor, which I still to this day don't understand. Like it says we're on the fourth floor and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this is the right building, but there's only three stories. So I asked this lady that was getting in her car. I said, do you know, Dr. Such and such, the pediatrician supposedly on the fourth floor, but there are no four floors. She goes, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the top four. That's the fourth floor. Three. Okay, I'm missing something here. One, two, three. All the way up, you said? <laughs> she goes, yeah. And so I went up there and finally paid the guy. Their, their, their card machine did not take Amex. Um, you know, so that's that. Anyway. Well, that's uh, good. Yeah, so everything's going to work out just, just fine. So uh, I wanted to bring up this story quickly because I, I, I find it very interesting before we get to your one question, Brandon. But uh, Airbnb has just banned parties for good, which I could not be happier about. 
not that we've had too many issues. Uh, we did when we first started renting out Paradise City, but since then we have not. We've actually had people ask us if they could have parties, and we tell them no. Uh, or they want to have a, a, they'll rephrase it and say, we're going to have an event, but we're not an event center. So you can't have 30 cars at our cabin and have a wedding in the back. It's just not that type of place. I appreciate you wanting to do it there, but it's not going to happen. Uh, so Airbnb is making its ban on parties at homes listed on the site for short-term rentals permanent. Now, during the pandemic, they really cracked down on this because they didn't want a lot of people at one place. They even shut down Airbnb for a month or so. So they believe the uh, the ban has worked, saying uh, that the, the reports of parties that listed properties have dropped 44% from a year ago. Because think about this, when Airbnb, which by the way, the guy that founded it lives right up the street somewhere. He's from right up the street in Alpharetta. That Airbnb was like a goldmine for kids. This was this this was your cheap hotel that you could have parties. I mean, we all remember proms and back in the day, and you needed a place outside of your house if your buddies or your parents weren't away and you were okay to use it. You need a you go to the cheap hotels. You you go to the ones with the cinder block walls, and that's where you would have the parties. I mean, we had them there a million different times. The Airbnb world, if you can rent it, get somebody to rent it, and you're paying a hundred bucks each for two nights in this big mansion and you don't give a fuck about what breaks, uh, then this was like a gold mine for, for kids, but no longer. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was more of a, like a California thing, like the, uh, the rich kids that had a bunch of money where they could do this and throw parties and stuff. But I don't know if this was just like an average everyday I mean, I don't think they're they're renting out a house down the street from Brandon and Noonan to, to throw parties. Typically, you you'd be surprised that there there was a um, a lot a lot of cities are putting in bans for Airbnbs within the community. Like Roswell's trying to do that now if they haven't already, which I agree with because of the parties. Now, if there weren't parties, then I don't agree with it because you know one, it's a stream of income for somebody. Two. If you're in town, Roswell, which is, you know, not out of the realm for somebody to, to be in town to visit or something, um, and you want to, and you're going to be here for a couple of weeks, you want to stay at a house. So Airbnb is perfect. But yes, th- there was a house right behind us that this guy lived in for since day one for like 30 years and he just moved and he sold it and he sold it to that asshole that I used to rent a house from when I first moved up here. You know, that guy. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't give a fuck about his properties. He just, just, just give me money. And there were, every weekend, there were parties at this house. Didn't quite affect me as much as it affected my neighbor, Tony. And, uh, and he and his wife were going insane. Because there'd just be, like, every Friday and Saturday night, just tons of people out there. You know, and it's like, it's hard. It's like one of those catch 22s. The older you get, I mean, you still like to go to parties, but there's people your own age and, and stuff like this. But it, it's, it's, it's kind of hypocritical because, I mean, we lived and died by parties when we were younger. I mean, every young, yeah. every young person was ex- every Friday night where there was a party somewhere. We used to go out in the middle of the, of the woods at the softball fields. That was our hangout. 
and we called it shady spot. And that was the code word. We'd be like, where are you going? We're going to shady spot. All right, we'll meet you at shady spot. Then there was a place called sunny spot, which was a different park that we would go into. Um, that was the, those are the good times, right? It's just the assholes that break shit. That's the problem. They fuck it. It's the one guy th- uh, fucked it up for all theory, you know? And that, that's why, that's why Airbnb is doing this. I don't know if VRBO is doing it, but uh, I know Airbnb is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand that. Like I was saying, like the big mansion parties in California where they'd have like hundreds of people there. Um, but I don't really agree or, or like this rule. I, I don't like these stupid laws that people come up with that. It's just like, like the, let's say the, the texting and driving law. I don't think we need that. Just if you get in an accident, it's your fault. You got to pay for it. We shouldn't have these micromanaged laws. And the same thing with the, the house. Rent the house. If you have a party, clean up. If you break something, you pay for it. Same thing like you were saying with the hotels. It was the same exact thing. The reason you can have another hotel is it's the same idea. If you break anything, you are going to be charged for it. So I don't know why we need all these little micromanaged laws. Because a lot of the girls, like uh, my wife and your wife came with also, they they rented a, a house up in Nashville for all the girls to stay at when she did her bachelorette party. Why, why can they not have that? Because you know, people are breaking things, just pay for them. Well, that, but that's not a, I don't think that's what they mean by parties is like hundreds of people. Well, they don't say that though. I mean, what is considered a party? Well, most Airbnbs have a, a guest limit. Like we used to allow 15 people at the cabin during, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, we reduced it to 12 because technically it sleeps 15. We've got two master bedrooms and then downstairs in the bunk room and each bunk sleeps two people. So the idea is to have two families and like four, six, eight kids or something like that. And they all stay down there and have a good time and goof around. We have, there's only been a couple issues with part. Like we have people that rent it out, you know, younger people, 10, 11, 12, and I'll see them, you know, it's on surveillance outside and I just make sure everything's okay. And I'm looking outside they're, they're part, I mean, they're quote unquote partying, but it's a small group of people. That to me is not what they're talking about as a party. Like those parties in California, like there was one just recently at this million dollar house. I think a celebrity owned it or something. There was like a thousand people. What was that movie? Project X. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that. That's, you know, that's a party, right? I mean, that, having a bachelorette party or even about we've had bachelor parties at the cabin like 10 dudes coming up there just bullshitting you know drinking beers around the campfire and that's fine 100 people not so fine we let me tell you i didn't know this until afterwards um and i'm kicked myself that i didn't i didn't even bother checking the outside surveillance cameras there was a group of, I don't know if it was a black college reunion or what, but they, a group of them rented our cabin, uh, probably just a handful of people. I mean, there was no red flags. And then later on social media, I saw video and pictures. I kid you not, there must have been a fucking hundred people there. They're all wearing the same damn shirt, this orange shirt. So they're all part of something. And I would have, if I would have seen that, I would have been furious. You know, like, what do you do? You know, you got to drive up there, you call the cops and get a hold of them and tell, hey, look, you got to kick 
you know, 89 people out, you know, or 88 people out. <laughs> Sorry, you gotta pick and choose the 12 you want to stay, but you got to kick 88 people out. And then it turns into a big, I rented this place and fuck you and that kind of thing. Um, so probably best I didn't see it. But yeah. and then they, they 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 were they were fairly dirty afterwards. Like I had to pay the cleaning lady a little bit more because it was it was it was pretty bad. But I didn't realize it until afterwards. That's the only big party I can that I can remember. Well, we were dropping wood off one time. I remember in the driveway was just lined with like 15, 20 cars. They had the blow up slide out there. There was way over fifteen people. And I remember I told you, and we we're trying to get the wood through there. And they're like, "Hey, I think I can just come back later with the wood. We're trying to have a party." Like, no, we're delivering wood now. We're not <laughs> dropping back another two hours because we were intruding on your party. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have any idea where we just drove up from? <laughs> Three and a half hours. No. Well, go back to the cheap hotels in the bad part of town. Those are the best parties anyway, where everybody gets their own hotel room and uses their own credit card for incidentals. And you just room hop and have one room has the hunch punch and the other room has the beer and the other room has the chips. And those are the good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> or, or just don't be an Airbnb host if you're, you're, you're so worried about your stuff. Well, you should be. I mean, you know, you didn't mean that I mean, because like, People work hard to to have places like this to to rent out to other people and to get another stream of income. Um, you should not have to. You know, you're going to go through some wear and tear. There's no doubt about it. But there are people that are just extremely disrespectful. That's that's not right. That's not normal. That's not cool to be a dick. No, but that but that's just a rule. You, you just you, they pay for it. Then it's the same thing as renting an apartment. I mean, there you can't stop anybody from or renting an apartment or a house and having a party there or not. If they fuck shit up when they leave, you keep their deposit or you charge them for it. I don't know why it has to be all these extra rules and steps for some reason. Because they screwed it up, you know. Like, well, I wouldn't. Uh, when we first started, there there were there were more than twelve people, fifteen people there. Kind of like what Brandon was saying. I didn't have a problem with it. I was like, you know, like kind of the same philosophy like they break something they got to pay for it i'm going to get something that's brand new (laughs) i'm a winner (laughs) but then i realized because we have so much turnover is you have to find somebody to go and fix it or replace it and that's like the guy that broke my window it didn't tell me about it on a sunday the cleaning lady finds it at 10 30 a.m we've got somebody checking in at 3 p.m on a sunday this motherfucker doesn't tell me he broke a window so I get a hold of him. I'm like, dude, you broke a window. What? Oh, oh yeah, I think my buddy broke the window. You gonna fucking say something, dude? What an asshole! Like, when did this yeah. happen? He was like, oh, it happened the night before. So I had a broken window in my house in the woods the night before, and you didn't bother to at least message me on the app. No, man, sorry, dude. Okay, well, you're going to buy the window, you're going to pay for the labor, and you're going to pay for the emergency labor because it has to be done today by 3 o'clock. Uh, I have somebody that's going up there to do it right now. You'll be charged probably five times more than what you normally would have been charged. Do you have, you know, yeah. do you have a problem with that? Yeah. Well, I don't care. It's too bad. Yeah. No, I mean, and he should be because uh, yeah, you should say some, but 90% aren't going to say anything. That's just like a, in a hotel. If you leave a cigarette burn on the carpet or something, you put the trash can over it, just hoping nobody realizes it until somebody, or until somebody else checks in. Can you can you med, can you remember your best high school or college party? Like one that stands out, and you're like, "That was uh, you can't top it. It was just so good." 
Yeah, it was at my apartment and I was, I was going to Iowa state at the time and we had people over me and my buddy had an apartment and we had people over and we we're all drinking and stuff. And we were friends with our security guards. Cause they were like our age basically. And one of them came around to like knock on, he knocked on the door. We thought we were in trouble, but he was just like, Hey man, how's it going? And he came in, he had a beer and we found out that he could, he was a hypnotist. He could hypnotize people. <laughs> and he started hypnotizing people at the party. And we just all stopped drinking. Cause we were just having the best time watching our friends act like idiots. Like one of my buddies, he, uh, he hypnotized him to, to think that it, his penis had flew, like flew off his body and was flying around the room. So this dude was diving over the bar, over couches, like knocking shit over over trying to catch his penis because he was worried about it flying away. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and that in a night like that will never be tops. You right. know, it just never it just will never be tops. It's impossible. Brandon, you have a, a, a party that stood out. I mean, this probably wasn't that long ago. Pro- probably my house, probably one of my parties, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it was like uh it was the year we graduated and my buddy Chris's parents were out of town and we went over to his house. It was a whole weekend party. I mean, we had probably 80, 90 people at the house, and we were all smoking on every floor of the house. I slept in his parents' bed. It was a great time. And we had this guy who was about to jump off the roof onto, like, two two uh, ping-pong tables that were set up. Everyone out there has got their phone up there just waiting for him to do it. And Chris's ass is the only one trying to do something about it. He just climbs up the side of the porch, and, like, monkeys his way up there and grabs him before he jumps off. That was a pretty fun one. <laughs> My senior year in high school, my girlfriend was not with me for, I think she was out of town. And we were at this party, uh, this girl Jessica's house, and her parents were out of town. And all of us were there, like the the, the, the entire crew. It was, you know, small high school, 101 people, graduating class. But all of our crew and some extra people were there. And I remember I got so drunk so early, which I had a tendency to do, and then pass out. And then you know, come back later and, and drink later in the night. It was kind of like my MO. And I went through, I think it was a bottle of strawberry Boone's farms. And I think like a six pack of Budweiser. Oh, and uh, a big bottle of mad dog 2020. I was fucked up. Right. And I was, a, I was a power drinker. I was a binge drinker because I wanted to get drunk quick. I was that guy. So I end up passing out on the couch in the living room. And I wake up to people naked. Everybody was naked. And they were running around the house chasing each other. And then they would jump in the pool. They were skinny dipping, which, you know, was odd. You know, it was like we just didn't do stuff like that. It was just I didn't have a problem with it. It was just weird. I was not doing it. I'm seeing all these girls that I go to high school with naked. And uh, my girlfriend's not there. And I was loyal. And I was like, oh, shit, there's someone getting in trouble for seeing all this, these naked people. But nobody cared. I was like, this is, the, this is like porn star, rock star shit. Anyway, I, I, I think I passed out once again. And then I wake up to water dripping on my face, like just drops, little drops. Bloop, bloop, bloop. And I just look up and I see nipples. And this girl, Jessica who was very nice. She wasn't like what you would consider crazy party girl though. She was kind of very prude, Catholic, good student girl. It's her house. And I dated her for like a second, I think like freshman year or something. And she's standing over me with naked with her nipples dripping water on my face. And, uh, and I said, uh, hi. 
And she goes, hi, I'm just making sure you're okay. You good? You fine? You good? Because we're out in the pool if you want to come out and we, we want to have you. And I'm like, yeah, um, let me wake up here. Let me, let me figure it out. And she's like, okay. She runs out and jumps in the pool. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? You know, it was my first like kind of rock star. I mean, since then there's been other parties that I've been at that have been a lot more raunchier than that. But as a 17 year old in high school at this party with people that don't normally party with you and when you see them they're wearing a catholic school outfit a nice khaki skirt down to the knees some argyle socks jacked up a white polo crisp and clean tucked in little bow in the hair you know hail mary full of grace now i got wet nipples dripping on my face that's a little weird party i'll never forget <laughs> i was gonna ask is she pregnant why is her nipples dripping is she milking no it was, it was, she just jumped out of the pool jumped out of the pool comes uh-huh. out. i mean like that's like you go back and you go, fuck, you know what? I should have ruined my relationship. I had the perfect opportunity right there. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I remember one of my friends, like there, there was, so there was our core group and we partied a lot, but our senior year, it kind of expanded to a lot of great people, but we just didn't hang out with them years prior. And we started hanging all kind of hanging out together. And they were for the most part, just really the smarter kids and the, but they're very cool. They're very nice, but you just wouldn't think that they would be the drinking type. Cause you never saw them drink the first three years of high school. But when they started hanging out with us, they started partying and they started drinking. So there was a group of these, I don't want to call them nerds, but they're kind of nerdy girls and guys, but more girls that were hanging out with us. My best friend got jerked off by a nerdy girl, it, like in the pool that night, it was just weird. He like comes out of the pool and he's like, what's up, Bailey? And I was like, what's up? He's like, dude, I don't want to say your name, but he's like, blah, 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 just jerked me off in the pool. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, it was great, too. It was fantastic. I'm just going to go grab some shorts here. I'm getting out. I'm like, that girl? I was like, the, the girl that we cheat off of, she jerked you off in the pool? He's like, yeah, isn't that funny? Like, yeah, it's really funny, actually. <laughs> I was never, I'm friends with her on Facebook to this day. Every time I see a picture, all I can see is her is jerking him off in the pool. That's all I can see <laughs> still to this day. All right, uh, Brandon, let's get your one question. Here we go. One question with Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, right, good. All righty, you need to give old Sparky's Lawn Service a call. You might ask, what does he do? He does all your mowing, your trimming, your edging for your grass. He might even shape up your bushes for you. He might even, you know, check your sprinkler system. I'd recommend letting me do that, but Sparky can probably handle that too. <laughs> give, give him a call or shoot him a text at 706-897-2199 or email him at sparkyslawn at gmail. Let me tell you something. Andrew Sparks, the owner of Sparky's Lawn Service, loves your sponsor reads he's getting ready to renew and possibly expand his marketing reach all because you do just such a fine job with fucking up his reads every week yes (laughs) nicely done sir sometimes perfection is not exactly the answer to success very good way to be not not perfect all right good what's your one question all right so i was thinking you know we all use a lot of technology would you rather not have your phone or not have your computer Oh, that's easy. Well, uh, is it? <laughs> Wait, what was it again? 
Uh, when would you not have your phone or your computer? Would you, no, would you rather not have a phone or not have a computer? The easy answer is computer. Is it though? Well, that, so for me, it's not as easy because I'm on my computer all the time. Um, I'm on my computer more than I am my phone. And you can take calls on your computer, but not when you're in the car. That's very difficult. So, like, I can't put my big Mac in my car and plug it in and take pictures. I mean, take phone calls. Uh, Personally, I would say I'd probably go back to the easy answer. I I would say I couldn't go without my phone. That'd make the most sense. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for both. So... I would take like if I'm just looking at what what I would keep my phone or my my laptop. The laptop I like better because you can do more shit on it. There's a lot of things that like on certain websites or apps or social media or whatever that that the function just doesn't exist on on your phone. Like you you have to like go over to Facebook on the desktop version to do certain things. You just can't do them on your phone. So for that, I would like the computer more. But then on the other side, typically you can't use your computer out in the wild unless you are on Wi-Fi or have some kind of air card type of thing. Um, so your phone would be better because you could use it and have service literally anywhere typically. my Well, like my wife can just work off her phone. You know, she takes her laptop with her, but it's 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 a kind of a joke in our family. Every time we go on vacation, she has to close. She closes on a house or sells a house or something like that. She can do contracts on her phone, and which is crazy. I mean, she's literally on the beach selling a million dollar house. I mean, I've seen her do it numerous times. She doesn't necessarily need her laptop, but the functionality of it, you're right, is is a lot easier. I, I'm much more comfortable doing work even on my desktop versus my lap. I'm not a big laptop guy. So I'd rather have the desktop and the two screens and my chair and be relaxed. And that's, that's my kind of work mode. I've tried to be the laptop guy. Just doesn't work for me. I can't do it. Yeah. I I don't know. I still like a laptop, like even websites, certain websites kind of look like junk on your phone, but they're a lot easier to use on, Laptop, I can I can do most things on my phone, but you know it, sometimes it, it's easier to do it on your laptop. How would you not get phone calls, Brandon, if you pick computer? Well, I can get phone calls with the computer. How can you not? Yeah, but you're driving down the road. Oh, my computer's ringing. I can't wait to get home. To my ear. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I don't I don't think your Apple Watch connects to your Mac at home that far away. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe it is. What about you, computer or, or phone? Uh, you know, if, if I had a, like a, like a way to have service on my laptop, I'd probably get rid of my phone. If I could just merge it into the laptop, cause that way I can do all the stuff on my phone on the computer, but you can't do all the stuff on the computer on your phone. But then you could put in like a tablet. So some people might make the argument of they, and I see people live and die by their tablets, whether it's a surface or an iPad. And because you can take fun, it's like a big phone, right? So you, you get the whole nine. You got everything. Again, I'm not a tablet guy. I tried to be. I wanted so bad to be a tablet guy. Oh, my God. Did I try to be an iPad guy? I just couldn't do it. I just, just, it's too small. I, I like the big screen. I like the big stuff. I'm a big girthy guy. That's what I like to do. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, there you go. So, Fourth uh, of July, be safe. I think we've already gotten that out of the way. Don't hurt yourself. Go America. We love America. Fuck yeah. Uh, go back and listen to our top three American song uh, songs that say America. Fuck yeah, to get you hyped up for whatever it is that you're doing today. Uh, fireworks end tonight at midnight. Okay, let's understand that. Let's let's let's. <laughs> the, you don't shoot fireworks off on the third, and you don't shoot fire. Well, I'll give you the third. Actually, you don't shoot fireworks off on the fifth. It's done, right? You know, it's just it's over. Midnight, it's done. So if you didn't shoot any fireworks, if you got fireworks left over, save them for next year. Save them for a different occasion. But July 5th is not a time to shoot off fireworks. Okay? You don't understand that, Brandon? Sure. Hate that shit. Dogs go <laughs> fucking crazy. All right, Nate, you got anything before we get out? Uh, don't throw parties at Paradise City. Damn right. Damn straight. You got it. All right, Brandon. Let's go drink some Bud Light for America. There you go. Bud Light America. You know, I think it's done well. they're made in Sweden right now, right? You know, okay. uh, look, have yourself a great, safe rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Bye. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support. Podcastbs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.